With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Living the dream once again on a spectacular Saturday. It is Hartman and Papinga coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Brady. Yeah, what's up, Stevie? You know, I'm thinking about all this money floating around. Where, where's the money yeah. coming our way, man? I mean, you know, people offering big oh, money. Coming. All the other. Oh, it's coming, Stevie. It's coming in huge <laughs> waves. You just right. be ready with those arms wide open there, Stevie. We are on the verge of apocalypse as far as college basketball <laughs> is concerned right now. And, you know, Which Brady, is this thing. is something we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks that we, uh, we are heading in this direction. Uh, on yeah. Wednesday, I spoke to my dear friend, Sonny Vaccaro, the original soul mm. man, the man that really started all of this. Yep. And I had him on my show for about 20 minutes on Wednesday. And I, and I, 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 people have to understand if you're sort of just catching up to this story and how do we get here where all this news is breaking about all the money and everything else, Sonny is a guy that basically started it, but it wasn't intended to go in the direction that he started. Let me give you a little background here. Mm. All right. Yeah. So yeah. back in the mid sixties, Sonny Vaccaro was a guy in his uh, mid-20s, and he had a lot of interest in basketball. And one of the things he wanted to do in those days, when we go back to the 1960s, 
Um, Basically, basketball recruiting was local. You didn't have big budgets. You couldn't travel all over the country to recruit kids. Of course. You know, you basically got – if you're hoping there was a local kid that was really good, and if he was, he would go to the major university in the area, and that's how that would all work out. But what he wanted to do was he wanted to reach out to some of the inner-city kids that were not getting a lot of exposure, and he created the first-ever national high school – all-star basketball game is called the Dapper Dan, the Dapper Dan. Hmm. And so this back cool. goes back okay. to the mid sixties and it gave an opportunity, especially for some of these inner city kids to, you know, showcase their talents in an all-star environment. And it would give, you know, schools from around the nation, like, and they don't have the budget to go here, there and everywhere else. They could actually, yeah, it's a one-stop shopping. Yeah, exactly. So they would have a chance. It was yeah. in Pennsylvania and they would come in and watch the kids. And it was, it was tremendous. Okay. So, eventually then what happened was, as this tournament grew, Nike got involved. So, Nike hires Sonny Vaccaro. And Sonny Mm. says to them, you know what we should do here? Because, you know, you're trying to get the basketball players to wear your shoes. So, here's what we're going to do. Of course, yeah. We're going to pay the coaches directly. So, uh, you know, Nike would pay all these elite coaches money, and then in turn the coaches – would make the players wear those shoes. Seems innocent hmm. enough, right? So, yeah, so you know, yeah, you, yeah, you know, deal. the coaches mean, and and really those Big East coaches. When you think of the growth of the Big East in the late seventies, early eighties, the John Thompsons, the Jim Bayheims, um, all those coaches at that time, Louis Carnes Secas, they were all getting paid by Nike, and those kids hmm. would wear Nike shoes, and all of a sudden the Big East uh, basketball exploded, as did Nike. But then. It went the next step after the Michael Jordan deal with Nike and suddenly Jordan goes to the stratosphere with Air Jordans. Now, all of a sudden, other shoe companies are getting the same thing. So, Sonny Vaccaro then goes to Adidas. And this is when I met Sonny in the mid-90s. And during the Final Four, okay. they would have these Adidas parties. It was like the party at the Final Four. You'd hmm. see all these big-name coaches there all kissing the ring of Sonny Vaccaro. <laughs> and because he's funneling all this money into these coaches. Now let's get to where we are today. Where everything went next level is when they created these AAU leagues. See, So you see these top high school players, and they play high school basketball, but they're also involved in these AAU leagues. And these AAU so-called coaches are really agents. And they're in cahoots with these shoe companies. Hmm. So whether it's Adidas or Nike or Under Armour, Reebok, whatever it was, it's all orchestrated, these AAU companies. And then what happens is – is that those companies then give huge deals to the schools, continuing to funnel money into the coaches' pockets with the promise, wink, wink, that the elite players funneling through these AAU leagues will then head to these major schools. So that's how we got to where we are now. Now, keep in mind, all this news we have about Sean Miller talking payment on a wiretap, $100,000 to his number one player right now, All these schools that are implemented, and this is the elite, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Michigan State, Arizona, Kansas, they're all all out there, right? This is stemming from one agent. One agent. All Mm. of this is coming out of one agent. So you know if one agent's doing it, they're all doing it. So here's the thing. You have to. Yeah, you got to pay to play. So here's where I want to get your thought here, Brady, because here's here's right off the top. So the problem for the NCAA is they know this has been going on. It's been going on since the beginning of time. 
The difference now is the FBI got involved. So the FBI is like, the hell is going on here? So you're the NCAA. You've got multi-billion dollar contracts for your tournament with the networks right now. And almost every school in that tournament is implemented. Almost all. And that's just based on one agent. If you had every agent out there, there would not be a single school that would not be somehow involved. All right? So, I got to say there would be one. There is one that would not be involved with this. You know who it is, right? You're saying BYU? It's yeah, they would never do this. Okay. Ever. Okay. They would they would they would close down all their sports programs before they'd ever go this route. I'm just all telling right. you. All right, just, you can you can say I'm just used to reality. By the way, my school, I just know BYU better than any other school. That's my, how my, they operate. Uh, the they good shut news down for, the program before they get in this. All right. Well, the good go yeah, the good news for my school, UCLA, they're they're not on any list right now. You know, okay, but I don't believe that. Well, all right. So, Lonzo Ball says differently. Well, no, not, I didn't, not did directly. You, I'm glad you said Lonzo Ball. They, they say Lonzo Ball's like, well, everyone knows everyone's everyone getting gets paid. paid. What do you mean? Everyone gets paid. <laughs> it's like a cultural thing. So yeah. let's just make it legal. And then they said, oh, so you got paid at UCLA? Oh, not me. Oh, I didn't, no, no. No, I, my dad wasn't into that. Didn't you like that? He's so good at oh, no. it. Was, it's, just, it's been his life. Yes. Talking about both sides of his mouth. You know? Exactly. But that's how you've had to evolve. So everyone got paid except for you. Yeah. Okay. So the bottom. So <laughs> here, here's the problem for the NCAA. Right now, it's in the NCA's court. So all this FBI information is, again, people know this has been going on. This is not news. You know, yeah. money being exchanged, hands, and, no, you know, no. to, to get it's the just top more, players. It's just, it but hasn't been do? substantiated what, the difference. You if know the what I'm NCAA, yeah, see, ahead. everyone's looking at the NCA. Are you going to drop the hammer on all your major programs and wipe out your nope. NCA tournament? Because if you do that, those networks are going to want a money-back guarantee. They're not going to, you know, buy into Tennessee yeah. State playing for a national championship. So what, what should you do? I, I have my thoughts, but I want to hear what you say is the solution to this problem. Well, the first thing you're not going to do is you're not going to all of a sudden blacklist a guy like Self. I've heard that from Jay Billis. I've heard that from a number of college basketball analysts that are like, oh, Bill Self's career is done. Okay. If you're going to set that precedent, think about it. And all of a sudden, the same information comes about or some same evidence comes about uh, about Shevchesky or other the other these guys. Roy everybody Williams, in the college, Calipari, yeah, all, the all college of them. Basketball world, look at these guys like the gods. Like they've created this huge event that we know is March Madness and this unbelievable organization that we know is college basketball. All of a sudden you're going to have to do the same thing to them. And like you said, pretty much then you've pretty much, you've given the death penalty to college basketball as we know it today. Right. If you're going to set that precedent with self. So you got to be careful there. I, if I'm the NCAA, I have to reevaluate this whole situation. Cause to me, yeah, it does stem from what you were mentioning, Steve, to where you have these camps where you can get everybody together and you can have a one local place to where you can go and recruit guys. But it's evolved to the point to where the players know. These guys, especially the one-and-done guys, know I have a market value. And therefore, if somebody's going to offer me money, it only makes sense that I would take that money or that I would solicit that I would get paid money. Then that would you know, seal the deal for me going to a school for a year or what have you, which to me, both those forces are at work. So... You now have to create a system, if you're the NCAA, to eliminate the black market. And it, 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 it and if you look at history, you know as good as anybody, Steve. Uh, let's go to, to Prohibition back in the day. That was as big of a black market as you ever imagined. We yep. have movies still today, gangster movies, that are based off of the black market. Does that black market still exist with alcohol? Do people go around with alcohol today and have these bootlegged bars? I mean, come on. Well, no, look at the same thing so with marijuana now. See, I mean, you'd be, exactly. if everybody's using it. The point is, it, okay. 
Exactly. Point is, is that you can eliminate this by simply paying the guys. Now, the question will be, what is the system in place to pay him? What are you going to create some, you know, NCAA athlete, athlete union? I mean, those are questions. I mean, I have my ideas, but what I am saying to answer your question directly is yes. If you're in NCAA, you have to create a system where you compensate these guys to eliminate the black market and do not go off and set a terrible precedent of getting rid of a guy by self, who, by the way, just because the FBI is involved doesn't automatically mean this is against the law. Bill Self is not breaking the law. The only reason why the, F- the FBI got involved, remember, was from uh, the Rick Pitino situation right. where there was money laundering going on and bribery of public figures and public employees, which, by the way, these college basketball coaches of public universities, which pre- pretty much were 90% of all of uh, the Division One universities, they're public employees, so they can't take briberies. That's against the law. But Self, what he did was not against the law. So don't go off and all of a sudden blacklist that guy because then all of a sudden you're going to set yourself up where you may have to do that with other guys that are extremely prominent and ultimately giving the death knell to what we know college basketball to be today. All right, you're on the money, and I'm going to take it a step further here because, again, you're saying how can the money – how can this all work for everybody? Work for the players, for them to get compensated. How can it work for the entire system, preserve college basketball, and not wipe it off the mat? From the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios – we will give you the solution coming up next. Harbin and Papinga with you here on this fabulous Saturday. Hey, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. All right, this is a story that is, again, tip of the iceberg right now as far as a scandal that could wipe out college basketball as we have noted, unless... A sensible resolve is reached, Brady, and there is a sensible yeah. play here. Now, here's one of the problems facing. Now, you you were talking about figuring out some way to compensate the players, and we've been talking about this for years yeah. and years and years. There is one major hurdle under the current landscape, and that is Title IX. Title IX has created an atmosphere, and it's the law of the NCAA that everyone is equally represented. In other words, under the current NCAA guidelines – if you were to compensate a football star or a basketball star, whether it was, you know, money up front or an annuity, you know, after they graduate, whatever it might be, the exact same thing would have to be available to every single athlete under NCAA jurisdiction, including uh, women's rowing. And and you could I'm not, not sure comp- about that. No, that under the I'm current sure, no. Title IX rules, that's exactly that. what it states. That's exactly. Sure now because... you can change it. But under the current yeah, law, that's exact. No, you could amend it. Not, I'm saying under the current law of the NCAA. Yeah, but I'm just saying I don't know if that's true because my understanding of Title IX was always about scholarship availability because it's very clear, Steve. If you go to UCLA, for example, right, and you look at the resources at the disposal of the football team, basketball team, right. men's, and you know, and then you go look at women's soccer, women's lacrosse, you know, sure. women's sports you're going to see a vast difference. So there already is some discrepancy between the two. So but I, the scholarship, I don't see that but, but here's my point. Something that's like they have to have equal amount of no, resources no, no. to each program. No, but the, again, scholarship is always been the fallback as terms of payment to players, right? And athletes. Well, you are getting compensated. You're getting well, free tuition, free board. They don't free say that, though. But that's the they way. Don't, they just say scholarships. So that's my whole point is that if you just def- – because if it's saying scholarships, yeah, right. okay, everybody can get scholarships. Okay. You can, you know, okay, go ahead. Yeah. All right, let me continue on. Go. All right, so let's say you did okay. this. All right, so let's say – let's use football for an example. 
All right. So all you, right. you decide, all right, we're going to compensate our football team because it's a revenue-generated sport. The star quarterback, the guy that people are coming to see, does he get the exact same thing as a third-string guard who never actually played a game but is under scholarship? Do they get the same? How are you going to determine the value? This is the system. Yeah. You know, this you, is where the system comes in. And that's why I have a different suggestion. And try to try to differentiate okay. the somewhat value. This is why I keep talking about allowing athletes to have agents from the get-go. This is already going on. In other words, you just talked about prohibition. We talked about, you know, the marijuana industry, where everyone's doing it anyway, even yeah. though it was illegal, so to speak. So they mm-hmm. said, well, if everyone's just, just legalize it and regulate it, you could do the exact same thing with agents. Now, I've heard a lot of different arguments against it, but let, let's let's sort of have these off the pass. Let's let the system work okay. as it is right now. So, again, an agent, let's say an agent approaches a high school kid. He may even approach him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, early on. We're seeing okay. some of these Middle dollar school. figures. You know, <laughs> so this agent had this distribution of money. It varied from like $800 to $10,000, whatever, 70000 So here's what I would do. The NCAA would say, all right, we're going to allow kids to have agents. Right, you can have an agent, but, and we're going to regulate it. In other words, you have an agent. We want to know about the agent. We're going to regulate maximum amount of money that that agent can compensate you with. In other words, let's There's say, a big problem with that. that. You've just created another black market, though. Well, if you start you, creating any I limitations like that, that but, then there's all of a sudden going to be loopholes that guys I, are going to try to exploit. I understand. And people say, well, you know, that, yeah. but then, then then they'll go to another program. Like, well, if you pay us a little bit more. But we already have a system where guys are transferring out of schools all the time. If you're a star recruit, yeah. football, basketball, and you're not getting playing time and you're seeing the clock tick, what happens? These kids are transferring schools all over the place. This is already commonplace. Are they getting more money to go elsewhere? I don't know if you're ever going to get past the black market. If what you're saying is true, no, then there I gotta, is no I solution. You. But you cannot, under the there current is. guidelines of the NCAA, decide, well, we're going to pay the quarterback's money, but nobody else. Well, let me tell you the system. And the system is this. You would create a yeah a equal pay from the university to where basically you take how much the university makes, you divide that up by how many guys, you know, well – Overall, Does that include the walk-ons on your team that are non-scholarship yes, players? Yes. Well, yeah. So yeah, you, you mean, yeah. in other words, you know, yeah, every basketball yeah, team yeah. has so those brainiacs on the bench that yeah. never play. They're yeah. walk-on guys so that they help with the overall GPA of the team. Every every school yes. does this. Okay. Yes. yes. They're going to so get the same amount of money? It's all going to get the same. Well, hold on, hold on. That's just This is only a one layer right. to my multi-layered proposal here. Right, so the one layer is, is that, yes, everybody's going to get the same exact sum it's going to be a minimal payment that everybody will get who is considered a letter person. I'm not going to say letter man because I would say women are involved in this too because it's going to come down to what value or what kind of re- revenues your respective sport can generate. So even if you're playing women's lacrosse and your sport goes and generates, let's say, $10,000, you split it in half, 5000 goes to the university, 5000 goes to the players. Okay, boom, that's one layer. The second layer is your likeness and so basically sponsorships. So let's say you are the starting quarterback or one of these famous players that's a one-and-done player on the basketball team. You can go out into the market, no max. You can hire an agent. You don't even need an agent. It's called a free market system. You go out and you say, hey, man, what do you want to use my likeness for uh, with Adidas? Adidas will say, hey, we'll already pay you. Uh, we, we know you're going to go to the NBA, so we're going to pay you your million-dollar contract right now. Okay, let's go. 
So basically what you do is you create within the system, within the, the NCAA, a fixed system to where everybody's going to get equal. So at the very least, like you talked about, even the bottom of the, the rung, you can say, roster people are going to get paid. But then you're still keeping all options open for the stars that you said that have this tremendous market value that need to be compensated for that to where they can go and exploit that just as if they were a business person in the business school that all of a sudden invented some cool game-changing product that could go out into the marketplace and begin to sell it and begin to reap the, the rewards because of that. And so you're just creating a system that reflects our very free market system that exists today. And there's no black market. There's no, all of a sudden, there's no shoe company that's going to come in. Oh, we're going to play under the table because that doesn't exist anymore. There's no under the table. It's all out in the open and there's no limits to it. And everybody can be basically, uh, to the to the nth degree, can be compensated according to their market value. And but, that's what but, you want. That, but, that's but what this here's, whole thing's about. But here's the whole thing. How does that change the dynamic of recruiting the players? I mean, this is what this well, is will, coming down because to. It, How? It will. It I mean, will it, to an extent. You just said it's the black market big, will though. always go. Why would it be big? I mean, there's still a lot of money at stake for teams that can make deep runs in the NCAA tournament. Huge money advantages sure, there. Sure, I mean, if so you, that, would, that would be an advantage, yeah. So you still, I mean, uh, you're still uh, going to have way, competition for the top talent. And anytime you have yes. competition, as we're seeing here with this wiretapping of Sean Miller, I mean, they got the number one big man in the country, Aiton. Now, I don't even know what they're I – mean, we'll get into all that a little bit later on, like what do we do now yeah. just in the immediate. But, I mean, again, how do we get past the fact that all this talent, especially in basketball, because one player, more than any other sport, one player can change, can change everything. destiny. I mean, in, in well, football. Well, I mean, that's just – but, but Steve, think about it. Even in recruiting, like let's say everybody followed their own, let's say everybody followed the letter of the law. Right. There are certain universities, they're going to have an inherent advantage with certain recruits over others, whether their dad went to that university, there's yep. sort of a tradition, whether it's they get more exposure, whether they have a system that you play. So there's always going to be natural advantages for some recruits to go to certain schools versus others. So you're never going to get rid of that. And so what I'm proposing is basically you're still uh, – the, the same advantages are in play. I mean, if you go to UCLA, yeah, you may be second fiddle versus if you go to one of these schools that that's all that matters in that community, like in uh, Kansas. That's all that matters is Jayhawk basketball, and that's because that's all that's really there. And so those still will be decisions that these recruits will have to decipher between – when they're going through that recruiting process, but what you're eliminating is all this behind the scenes, under the table, black market, that it is a slippery slope as to where it eventually ends because there isn't anyone anymore. Because like I said, if these guys are getting paid and compensated for their markability, which is what this is all about in the first place, then that's gone. There's no more need to try to hide money from these guys. So in other words, and, and, and here's where it goes next level. And, and, and this is from an agent standpoint. I've never quite understood. Like, if you're an NBA star, why do you need an agent to negotiate your contract? You get a max deal. I don't. LeBron well, James doesn't exactly. need an agent. It's pretty locked but where, in. But where an agent can play is in endorsement deals. If you yes, are allowing, if you were allowing yes. college athletes to have endorsement deals, so let's say you're Baker Mayfield. All right, you're a, you're a big college yep. football star. And you have an agent, you're still playing, you're getting whatever, you know, regulated little compensation you're getting, but sure, sure. you're able to Which is make basically money. what it is right now. Right. But you're <laughs> the, able the to go out right now. and we'll market ahead. yourself. You can get, I mean, yeah. imagine like Johnny Manziel, the height of his power there yeah. at Texas A&M. He's making, he's bringing millions into that university. So if he go, go out and do yeah. a Johnny football commercial while 
maintaining yeah. his college. L- I like that. See, I like that idea. Yeah, that does. Yeah, because well, it creates. It, yeah, well, it creates a free market system for that player to where and, they can take advantage of whatever opportunity comes to them. And by the way, that's what guys do anyway. When the, as soon as their eligibility is done, well, guys do before that too. Right. But as soon as their eligibility is done, boom, they start having autograph signings. They go sure. to the local dealership. The dealer does a deal with but them. But if you allow them to like do it, something so out of the ordinary. And if you regulate it, and see, here's why the NCAA always wants their piece of the pie. See, that's the whole point. I mean, the the NCAA is bent <laughs> out of shape on this because they're not getting a piece of the pie. Uh, with these uh, but, transfers but Stevie, of money. Right. This what's, but that's what's fantastic about what's happening is this system to where they can't always control their inflow of money is now being completely compromised right. because it's creating these illegitimate black markets and it's creating these controversies that's going to put them in a spot to where they're going to have to make a move that could potentially hurt that very thing, that hand that's feeding them. And that's why this is great because this is going to have to force them to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, with how their relationship is with players and, and ultimately governing the athletic end of things in the college ranks. And so, I mean, it, it's great because that's the problem. Really, when you look at what's the ultimate problem, it's the NCAA. It's the fact that they want to control. hundred percent. No doubt. Yeah, they want to control the vacuum. They yeah. want to control the vacuum. Yeah, they want to that. come into them, and then they want to see it, and then they want to disperse everybody else. See, and the, once that vacuum is eliminated, this is actually going to become a legitimate right, system. Right, exactly. When the FBI starts investigating the NCA, call me. That would be even better. All right, we're here in the Geico Fox Sports <laughs> Radio studios. Uh, we got a there. lot of NFL news to cover with our buddy Alex Marvez, but let's bring on David Gascon because – he knows well about uh, money, you know, being thrown at him from every direction. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And, you Peanuts, know, you know worried chips. about eligibility and all that kind of Don't stuff. Don't worry about it. It's coming, David. Don't worry. Right. It's just a blank check that's right. eventually yeah. going to get to you. I hope I'm above six feet uh, under the ground before <laughs> I get to that thing. Anyways, we'll, we'll start things <laughs> it's off. Coming. In college basketball, 17th-ranked Michigan is taking on Maryland. Rockmont. Keeps the dribble alive. Drives right baseline. A kick out. Pools open from the corner. Yes, sir. Double digits now for Jordan Poole for the 10th time this year. Yeah, Wolverines getting it done. They led by 30 at the half and are up right now 64-41. Ten and a half minutes to play in the second half. Tulane leading South Florida 64-43. Marquette is falling behind to DePaul on the road 46-40. Providence and Georgetown. This ballgame right now is Providence in front by 9, 61-52. And St. John's trilling at home. This ballgame is on Fox. Seton Hall leading by 3, 57-254. One quick note in the National Football League. New England Patriots have re-signed tailback Brandon Bolden. He gets a one-year deal worth some money, $880,000. Game changer. Yes. Game changer. <laughs> that is a game changer. I can All change right. our lives. Maybe. Well, yeah. mine for sure, definitely not yours. You're, uh, like well, Brady said, you're high maintenance. No, no. Brady's the guy that no, 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 earned no. those big NFL dollars back in the day. <laughs> you guys are uh, All right, funny. we're in the uh, – Right, by the way, great news. Quick way for you to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 50% or more on your car insurance. Joining us right now, Sirius XM NFL Radio Sporting News NFL Insider, our buddy Alex Marvez is back with us. And, uh, well, Alex, one of the big stories uh, was the Kansas City Chiefs saying bye-bye to Marcus Peters, apparently agreeing to a trade. Again, none of these trades are official for a couple more weeks. Uh, going to the Rams. Let's take both sides of this deal the Rams obviously had a need. Do we have any idea what the Rams ultimately will give up and return for Marcus Peters? I would not be surprised if there's a two involved in 2019. 
They don't have one in 2018 as part of the Sammy Watkins trade. What this does is essentially with Tremaine Johnson set to leave in free agency and the future of LaMarcus Joyner are a little bit shaky depending upon a franchise tag. Well, you know, now you've got a corner around the Chief at $1.7 million. Why did the Chiefs get rid of him? Because they were, you know, Marcus Peters was angling for a contract extension. His play on the field speaks for itself. He's one of the best corners in football, but the maturity issues, how he's handling things, you know, apparently his tackling, you know, wasn't well regarded by those in the Chiefs organization last year. He's taken a page from Deion Sanders, maybe not wanting to get hurt until he signed that second contract. I think there were some thoughts to that. And basically, you know, Andy Reid ran out of time with Marcus Peters. You know, you had the fight in Oakland. That was one thing that, that went down there. But then at the, at the Jets game, the meltdown that happened. And then not only on the field, but then according to NFL Network, getting into a, a shouting match with an assistant coach on the bus ride home. For Andy, it just wasn't worth it. That's why you see them acquire Kendall Fuller in a trade with the Redskins, another deal that's also pending for the start of the league year involving Alex Smith, and also signing David Amerson in free agency. The Chiefs aren't a better team, but they may have a better locker room moving forward. And do you think this is part of the reason why John Dorsey left the Kansas City Chiefs? Because it seemed like John Dorsey was that uh, he would go after guys like Marcus Peters, where it seems like Andy Reid, he prioritized and highly values guys maybe with a little bit different mental makeup or character makeup. Well, you know, Andy signed off on it. They all went to Marcus Peters' house in Oakland. They met with his family. They met with his friends. And they felt comfortable with the pick because, remember, some of the disciplinary issues go back to his days at the University of Washington when he ran afoul of the coaching staff there. So I think, though, when it, when it sure. came to John Dorsey, yes, he was willing to take risks. But how many of them paid off? Marcus Peters has 21 interceptions since 2015. 21. The next closest is Reggie Nelson with 14. I mean, this guy is off to an unbelievable start to his NFL career. Tyreek Hill, another guy with, with even worse character problems coming into the NFL. Oh. You get him in, in round five, and he's one of the most dynamic players in football, and you haven't had a peep of trouble with him. I just think that there were just some philosophical differences with the way the Chiefs wanted John Dorsey to run this team. I think that they felt too, maybe just maybe a little bit too loose with the salary cap. There are some deals there that just were not team-friendly at all. I mean, and, and you know, there's some personal things, I think, that just went on there that we haven't even seen, you know, hit the light of day yet. So John's happy. He's in Cleveland now. He's surrounded himself. See, the difference with John Dorsey now is that he really has the juice in that organization. And Hugh Jackson is along for the ride, as opposed to when you had Andy Reid and John Dorsey in Kansas City, where both reported to Clark Hunt. And I think as time went on, Andy Reid just worked himself more in the favor of Clark Hunt than John Dorsey did. Just getting back to Marcus Peters, I mean, this is a guy who was kicked off the football team at the University of Washington's last year, and still he was a first-round pick based on talent, and he has shown that talent, obviously, in his three years in the NFL. Now he's coming to L.A. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> L.A. L.A. is not Kansas City, uh, and if you're looking for trouble, you will find it in L.A. I mean, are, are the Rams convinced? I mean, is Wade Phillips the kind of guy that's going to be able to police a guy like Marcus Peters? I, I, I just, I mean, it, it is a risk for the Rams, is it not? It's a risk, but she, the weird part about it is that, that we haven't seen Marcus Peters get arrested. We haven't seen him fail any drug tests to our knowledge. It's been clashing heads with the football people. You know, I mean, really, that's been the biggest issue for him. And maybe this will serve as a wake-up call that he's got to fit into a team fabric in Los Angeles if he's going to get what it is that he wants, which is a huge money contract. You know the Rams aren't paying him right now. 
right? I mean, they're right. thrilled to have a corner sure. at $1.7 million because they got to pay Aaron Donald. And then Marcus Peters is going to have to get in line now, right? Because you got Todd Gurley coming up, his contract, the year after. You know, are they going to re-sign Sammy Watkins? Are they going to re-sign LaMarcus Joyner? See, that's what the Rams are working on now, trying to get one of those two guys done. Joiner or Watkins, so then you can use the franchise tag on the other. But you know in the back of your mind you've got to make Aaron Donald. He's not going to be, I don't know if he'll be the highest paid defensive tackle in football because the Adonik and Sue deal was so exorbitant, and he was also <coughs> a true unrestricted free agent as opposed to, you know, uh, Aaron, who's still on his rookie contract and hasn't been franchised yet. So we'll see how that plays out, but you know they're backing up the Brinks truck for him. And, you know, so at this point, Marcus Peters is all on him because the talent is there, but if he wants to get paid, he's got to fit in with his team better than he did in Kansas City. And I'll tell you what, Alex, if this deal works out with Marcus Peters where he turns out to be a dynamic, game-changing player, takes the Rams to the next level, I mean, less need. He's going to be like, I mean, going completely from the doghouse a couple of years ago to now being maybe one of the, the top executives in the NFL. Unbelievable. Well, yeah. You know, but I mean, listen, there are still some things that Les did that are making you scratch your head a little bit. You know, and, and then we can get into the blame game with Jeff Fisher. I get all that. But, you know, what was, what was extending Tavon Austin? What was that all about? You know, I mean, this guy is owed a significant true. amount of money, whether he's on the team or not. And, and he, even Sean McVay, one of those creative minds in football, he can't do anything with this guy. I mean, there, there's just nothing there. You know, Sammy Watkins, if he leaves <laughs> in free true. agency, you gave up a second-round pick for a season, and really a season where Sammy contributed and had some great moments, but wasn't a steady contributor because he got there so late, and then you let him walk out the door? That's a toughie as well. So, no, listen, I'm a less need fan, but I'm also, you know, there are some great picks. You look along the way, Aaron Donald, sure. Todd Gurley, sure. obviously guys at the top of their game, and Jared Goff now starting to come on with Sean McVay. But, you know, listen, there, there's a track record, too, here where you say, uh, a little bit shaky. All right, uh, we obviously are getting ready for the Combine uh, next week, and we're going to have all this talk about all the quarterbacks and everything else. One quarterback I want to talk about is Teddy Bridgewater. There seems to be some confusion about his free agent status because he was on the physically unable to perform list. So what is the latest on Bridgewater's status? Is he an unrestricted free agent? Right now, it's where he's headed, but he has a grievance in and it'll be heard by an arbitrator. And what that grievance, what, essentially what, what's going on with this grievance is this. It's much like with the A.J. McCarron situation. Basically what, what Bridgewater's going to claim is that he was healthy enough to come on. He didn't have to go on PUP, but the Vikings stashed him there. And that's, that's something that you can't do. If a player is ready to play, you can't stash them on injured reserve or you can't stash them on the non-football injury list, like an arbitrator ruled that the Bengals did with A.J. McCarron before he was finally activated. So if Teddy Bridgewater is not stashed away like this, then they're going to give him a, a full season accredited, and then he would become an unrestricted free agent. His rookie contract would end and he would be able to go. So that's why everyone is waiting to just get some clarity from an arbitrator before the start of free agency as to where everything is at exactly with Teddy Bridgewater. In the meantime, you've got the clock ticking on Case Keenum and whether you're going to place a franchise or transition tag on him and, and see where that goes. Plus, there's always, you can't dismiss the possibility here, Kirk Cousins, could he be coming to the Minnesota Vikings? Could that be a team laying in the weeds that, hey, you know what, we've heard about the Jets, we've heard about the Broncos, etc., but maybe the Vikings want to make a play for him? Because really, what is Minnesota missing right now 
to make a strong Super Bowl run. Probably a great quarterback. And Kirk Cousins can be pretty darn good. Maybe he can be great. But Kirk Cousins, with that defense supporting him and with Dalvin Cook in the backfield, I mean, you probably make the Vikings the favorite. If not Philadelphia, then it would be Minnesota to get to Super Bowl 53. Alex, are you going to be at the Combine next week? Ooh. But of course. Okay, so I just want to remind everyone, two years ago, we're talking Alex Marvez Brady. We're asking about quarterbacks yeah. and, you know, we were talking about Wentz, Wentz and Goff and, and yeah. Lynch. We said, is there any quarterback has the it factor? Marvis says, yeah, Dak Prescott. All right? Yeah. That was That's two right. years That's ago. Right. He said, if there's any guy that has the it factor, we go, nice. really, Dak Prescott? What? I mean, what was he going to be right. like a third or fourth rounder? And he goes, yeah, but I'm telling you. You watch him, he's got the it factor. All right, that was from Alex Marvez. So that's what we'll get next week from Alex. I'm, I'm looking now. You've just raised the bar a little bit there. You know what I mean? I've, I've got to look <laughs> out for these, yeah. for these quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, you know, a guy who I am keeping a close eye on though with all this is, yeah. is Luke Falk from Washington State. Really? You know? Yeah, he had uh, a really nice senior. You know, reached sure. the Senior Bowl. You know, and we have to see too because what are the Broncos going to be doing at number five? Are they going veteran quarterback? Are they going to Are they going to draft somebody? I mean, we, we're still really up in the air on the Broncos as well. This quarterback roulette, we're just waiting for the wheel to stop spinning. You know what I mean? And yeah. find out where some of these guys land. Where does Kirk Cousins land? Where, did, where does A.J. McCarron land? You know, those types of things. You know, are they placeholder quarterbacks? Are these guys that are there for the long haul? Is Buffalo really going to hold on to Tyrod Taylor at $16 million, for the, or $18 million actually, for the 2018 NFL season? $18 million for Tyrod Taylor? Really? Mm. I mean, I just, I mean, and that's, you talk about placeholder quarterbacks, but that, that's what he is. But I guess the Bills would be concerned if they go into the draft, at, you know, having two first-round picks, but no quarterback because Nathan Peterman obviously isn't the answer there as well. So maybe they could bring Joe Ferguson out of retirement, Doug Flutie, <laughs> uh, you know, something like that. But, I mean, it's it's really a struggle. And that's that's what I think that's what – if you're Buffalo and you want to make a run at A.J. McCarron and you think that this guy can actually be a good NFL quarterback, then what your appeal is, look, we're, we're going to probably draft a quarterback, but we may not be a top-tier guy. You've got the chance to play. And that's one of the things that I think a guy like A.J. McCarron has to consider. If you sign with the Cleveland Browns, you're on the clock already. I mean, you, you may not even start the season, to be quite honest with you. If they draft a quarterback who's that impressive, who's going to be out there, your, your clock is already ticking on you. So that's something that A.J. would have to consider as well, and as well as Teddy Bridgewater for that matter, too. I think Rob Johnson is always available for the Bills. He's always there if they need him. Uh, Alex Marvez. So, Alex, next week we'll talk to you while you are live in Indy. Thanks, Alex. Absolutely, gentlemen. Thank you. Have a great Olympic Saturday. Be good. There it is. Alex Marvez, yeah, Sirius too, XM man. NFL Radio, Sporting News NFL Insider. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Uh, we have another NFL story. It's a very ugly story that raises a bar that we don't want to go to. We're going to discuss how it could affect things in the future for the NFL coming up next. Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit Progressive.com today. Harmon and Papinga here on this Saturday. Winter Olympics are coming to a close. How much of the Winter Olympics did you actually watch over the last couple of weeks, Brady? Because you're a Winter Olympics Very guy. limited, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just more highlights. And, uh, you know, I tried to watch curling for a couple seconds, and I about went crazy. I thought I was watching paint dry on a wall. Oh, uh, by the uh, way, the U.S. won a gold okay. medal today in curling, which is, I guess, a stunner that we, uh, we end up doing. We are now a curling. Have you power. seen all those people too? Like now doing like curling in the gym. Like it was started this America. big trend on Twitter. Oh yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, could be, it it could just, be I, a, I don't know what's the kick. 
It could, it it could overtake. Well, it'll overcome the off? NFL someday. And I don't think there's any doubt about that. <laughs> no, All right. Oh, my God. Now, uh, obviously, this is a very uh, delicate time in our country right now in the aftermath of the horrific shooting uh, down in Florida. My own daughter's high school. All right. Westlake High School out oh, here. Yeah. yeah. Um, Heard about this. Yeah. They, uh, they, uh, now there's, there's two stories. So we, we're going to get to the Jonathan Martin story at Harvard Westlake, my daughter's school, Westlake high school. They had an incident on Wednesday. Somebody saw in one of the girls bathrooms, uh, graffiti on the wall. It said four boys, four girls, nine guns Friday. Mm. And it, it was reported the next day and the school said they had done an investigation, said there was no merit to it, uh, and the entire school shut down on Friday. It wasn't intended to shut down, but my daughter was not going to go to school on Friday, uh, and it was a tidal wave, and those that did show up were sent home. So we had a similar situation wow. at Harvard-Westlake after Jonathan Martin. You remember the Jonathan Martin that was allegedly bullied yeah. by Richie Incognito? Uh, oh, I don't think it's alleged. I think it was pretty much established that right. it was. So it, it was it was actually something that they told them to do because they wanted to toughen him up mentally. Exactly. And Jonathan Martin not realizing what said, he had going on there. Right. He had yeah. depression problems. He had suicidal thoughts. But suddenly on Instagram, he puts out a post of a rifle. Hashtag Harvard Westlake, which is the high school he attended. It's a prominent high school here in Los Angeles. Hashtag Miami Dolphins. And it basically said, uh, if you are bullied and a coward, you have two ways to go, suicide or revenge. And it shows a rifle with ammunition around it. Harvard-Westlake didn't even under. They were like, is this a threat against our school? They shut down the school on Friday. He gets called in. We haven't even heard the aftermath of him actually being detained. But, I mean, yeah. when you see this storm, first of all, my point is, if Jonathan Martin, maybe Jonathan Martin was trying to make a point. Maybe he was being satirical, right? In other words, he was, sure. I don't know, maybe it was a message that went awry in the intent. But in the aftermath of everything that went on in Florida, I mean, what is this guy thinking? Are you kidding me? Even if you were yeah, trying to deliver a message like, you know, this is not very well calculated. Wow. I mean, and if you're the NFL right now, I mean, is this something you address at all? I mean, are we going to get back to this whole bullying idea in the NFL, or was that an isolated incident? I mean, it's it's everywhere. I mean, bullying is almost a cultural thing to where it's and, – and, and teams would look at it, at least some teams, would look at it like, no, we're just toughening up our guys. We're, we're, we're putting them through the refiner's fire. You know, because, you know, fortunately where I was at with the Packers, that didn't exist because, you know, it was sort of how the veterans had established the culture to be there, whereas – we're coming in. Favre's attitude is, I don't need a haze between quotations, bully the rookies because, or the younger guys, because we just want to win. We just want to focus on winning. Whereas I had a friend who was down in Carolina. His name's Adam Seward, by the way. It was a whole different story. I mean, they would take his clothes, throw it in the hot tub. You know, they would mentally and verbally attack him and try to break him down. Again, it was almost like this rite of passage that you had to go through. So it's, uh, it is something that's prevalent. But I mean, to me, the biggest thing is, is how, little attention is paid to the mental aspect psychologically, not just performance, but just where you're at mentally in an NFL world. Everything's all physical. You got a dietitian, you got a performance coach, maybe, but with these guys that are a little unstable, you could say, and, and you know, you can tell who they are, especially if you sit down and talk to them and they share that with you that, uh, 
maybe you can have a system in place to, to help address those kind of, uh, you know, the challenges those kind of people have, which I, I believe most of us at some point do have that kind of, you know, mental uh, challenge. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a terrible story. Obviously, I hope Jonathan Martin gets the help he obviously needs right now. But oh, yeah. the, the, the ramifications of this are, are far spreading. Uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. A lot of schools out there trying to decide – should we play players the rest of the year in college basketball? We'll have that coming up next. Rolling on on this Saturday, Hartman and Papinga coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Oh, we wish we had a much better story to headline a Saturday, but it is the story. And that, of course, <laughs> is this breaking bombshell that is just an avalanche of information coming out about money being exchanged for Recruits, like this is any news. I mean, this is, I mean, I'll, I'll go all the way back on this, uh, show you how far back stories like this go. In the mid 1950s, Brady, 1950s, mm. yeah. the old Pacific Coast Conference, and this was the Washington schools, the Oregon schools, Stanford, Cal, USC, UCLA, uh-huh. and Idaho. People don't know the old Pacific Coast Conference actually included Idaho was savaged. In fact, they dissolved, completely wiped out the entire conference because of a scandal that included payments and all this for players, and they had to rebuild the entire conference. I and mean, this was 60 years ago. So this idea— And it became the Pac-12 that we know today, right? Well, it actually it, it went through stages. It was called the AAWU, and it only included— the, Yeah, and in fact, it only included— it's complicated. SE, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, and Washington. They were down to five hmm. schools, and then— um, uh, the Oregon schools came back in. Washington State came back in. That created the Pac-8, and then eventually Pac-10, Pac-12. So the, these kind of scandals have been going on since the beginning of time as far as college sports is concerned. But now it's an interesting dilemma as we get ready for the NCAA tournament and Selection Sunday is only a couple of weeks away. So to give you an example, USC, their leading scorer, Chemezi Metu, uh, was on the list of players that received money. By the way, so was Benny uh-huh. Boatwright, one of their leading players, but he's out right now. He's out for the rest of the season with a knee injury. So USC has just announced, Lynn Swan, their athletic director, that they've done their own internal investigation, and they don't see any problem <laughs> with Metu, that he is <laughs> he is ready to go. By the way, SC has a huge game today against Utah. SC is a bubble team right now. They are literally... Last team in in the bracketology to make it into the NCAA tournament. So there's a lot at stake for USC over the next couple of weeks. They got this game against Utah. They have a big game against UCLA next week, and then they get into the Pac-12 tournament. So, you know, not making the tournament and making the tournament is big money at USC. So they're saying, no, we're good. Uh, we, we've done our own the internal NCAA didn't fight it. Exactly. The NCAA, we're not on their list, just the FBI. So right, the FBI exactly. doesn't count. And it's a exactly. report, by the way, so it's not. But, yo, know, if it's NCAA, it's a whole, an internal investigation. I mean, get out of here. This uh, and is so, and then also Kentucky. To be absurd. Makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, this makes illogical. It's just so illogical. Basically, what they're saying is that an FBI investigation doesn't count towards the eligibility of a Well, plan. ultimately, it will count. because <laughs> what? All right, so here you got Kevin Knox, right? And he's a Kentucky freshman, yeah. one of those prize freshmen. They've also decided that he's, he's okay. Uh, he's good. He's, yeah, he's, he's good. good. Now, some schools uh, are taking a different look, and maybe it's based – I'll give you an example. San Diego State. It's been a disappointing year okay. for the Aztecs. They were expected to bounce back this <laughs> well, year. There you go. But right now, they need a miracle <laughs> uh, to get into the NCAA tournament. So their senior star, Malik Pope, was one of the names on the list, and he has been suspended. 
and may not play the well, rest of the that's year. Because you just said the reason why they're yeah. just they're out of it. Basically. <laughs> exactly. There's no chance. They're, do you think if do you think if they were in the you know at least on the bubble or on the fringe that this would have happened? No. I mean, this is get out of here, people. Do you see what's Stop happening here? Stop it. Stop pretending. I know. I mean, what it, what's because it's blowing my mind right now is that you, okay? You, this report. I mean, come on. If you got wiretaps and all this kind of stuff and you got the FBI which that's their expertise this is what they get trained and paid to do which is investigate find situations programs whatever whatever it is that is circumventing the law okay this is their profession versus the NCAA it's not their profession I mean you don't have a bunch of people working in the NCAA who are investigators that have been trained that have been uh, you know over time placed in a position where their job is to investigate okay so you're going with amateurs again with the NCAA and professionals and here at professionals they're bringing a report forward that's saying this is what we found and this is what the investigation has led us to and here you have the NCAA you have these schools that you just mentioned they're not giving any credence to that FBI specialized professional investigative report. We're going to wait for the amateurs to get involved. I I mean, it just, I, I can't believe it. It, I, it logically doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how to reconcile this logically, Steve. It just blows my mind. Well, exactly. Now, the question is, now what? So we are going, the, the, any way this goes over the next couple of weeks, and, and it, it can only get worse. It's not going to get better. There is going to be a cloud over the NC tournament because, I mean, you've got players and coaches and schools that are all implemented. And again, this is all coming from one source, only one, one agent, one agent. Imagine Still, all the other. the FBI, though. And it's the yeah. FBI. Oh, I get what you're saying. I get what you're no, no, but that, I'm saying yeah, is, yeah, okay, in other yeah, words, yeah, the FBI was, is doing I was thinking one FBI agent, but no, I get what you're no, saying. No, no, no. One, yeah. one, one agent. agent, not FBI agent. Exactly. So, I mean, then the exactly. FBI, we're getting all of this out of one agent. So, And we know, obviously, there are hundreds of agents out there all doing the exact same <laughs> thing. So, how do, how do I mean, if for instance, if you're Coach K, I mean, here's Mike Krzyzewski. See, here's where Mike Krzyzewski, a guy with that kind of power. Ooh. And remember this about college basketball. Now, in this day and age of one and duns, every year it's a new cast of characters. We we don't have carryover yep. as far yep. as basketball players. Every year we go into the tournament, you're you're looking at a whole new cast of players every single year. So they're they're interchangeable. What's not interchangeable? The stars of college basketball are the coaches. There's the no coaches, question. Exactly. And the big team <laughs> programs, the Kentuckys, North Carolinas, Dukes, all these big time Kansases, Michigan State. So. You, you, if, if I'm Mike Krzyzewski and let's say all of a sudden he's under fire, right? Well, he's, Duke is one of those schools, right? And his attitude right now has been, I mean, he, he's, he's the deny of denials. He's like, I haven't seen anything. I'm not, he goes, I'm focused on my team right now. I'm not reading any stories. (laughs) But if I'm Mike Krzyzewski, (laughs) I'm going to walk into that NCAA office, right? And I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to look at them in the eye and I'll say, who has more value? You or me? Okay, my name, and I'm on the top of the coach's mountain here, right? Most wins, most everything, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on the top of the mountain, and my presence in this sport has generated billions of dollars. Here's what I would do, if I, Mike Shashevsky. Mike if you want to open the books on us, you want to start looking around and, and money being exchanged, I'll tell you what, I'll do that when you open your books, NCAA. Oh, yeah. I want to know all these billions of dollars that college football and college basketball are generating, and you're getting your cut of the pie. Tell us exactly where that money is being distributed. I want an itemized list of every cent 
that you're taking in and whose pocket it actually is going into. If you do that, then, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll let you in on some of our little secrets on how we keep the ball rolling at Duke. I mean, that that's what I – you you said it earlier, Brady. It's the yeah. NCAA that's really under fire right oh, now. Oh, yeah. They are the well, ones they're the problem. that have been exposed. <laughs> Yeah, because they've created this whole problem. Without their, you could, I mean, there's a number of ways you can spin it, but without their control of bringing in the money, this doesn't happen. I mean, you're not trying to circumvent and hide things and manipulate a system that is a broken system. You're not doing that. I mean, you're, you're letting the system run as it is if it's a true free market system, which in fact it should be. But I'll say this. I would, I would have to guess that the powers that be within the NCAA, the coaches and those things, uh, they're gonna say, "Hey, we'll 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 continue this. Let's let's elongate this investigation out past the tournament." Uh, so I, my anticipation is, is even though like we've gotten some information, I don't believe there's gonna be enough bombshell, crazy information to come out before the tournament to to wreck it, basically, because everybody knows how much money's at stake. But I would say that afterwards, yeah, I, I, and I would imagine that's a deal that the NCAA and the coaches association are, are, are going to try to work out to elongate this as much as possible. So they at least can get through the tournament and then they got an off season to figure out, okay, what's our next step? Because I mean, we're on the brink right now. March is in a week and a half. There's no way that, you know, on the doorsteps of the tournament, especially like the committee show where you're going to be picking the teams basically or announcing the teams and picking them that uh, you're going to win all of a sudden say, Oh yeah, you know, those, the, the top 25, we're going to eliminate them. So we're, they're done. The Dukes, the, the Virginias, they're gone. Wichita State, they're gone. We got to go for a whole nother pool of teams. And all of a sudden you're the, the sponsors of the NCAA tournament. You're like, going, huh? What? No. This is who we have to, we're going to have to, we're going to have to feature, you know what? Western Kentucky state. I don't know. I just threw out a name there. I don't even know if that's an actual university, but come on. I mean, to me, that's the, to, to expect there to be information coming out. Here in the near future, I, I don't, I don't foresee that. I well, see no, that and, it comes and, out after. I mean, Arizona obviously is in the biggest fire right now because apparently they have audio of it's legit yeah, Sean Miller legit. Uh, offering yeah. a, a go-to guy, a sort of go-between guy, uh, the hundred thousand dollar payment for his star DeAndre Ayton. So does that mean Ayton's out? So far, no word yet from Arizona. None. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing. if they decide to say, well, we've done our own internal investigation and there's nothing there, and Ayton plays in the NCAA tournament with Arizona, and let's say they go on to win a national championship. I mean, almost – I mean, then I can't even imagine the, the fire of these coaches. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine following Sean Miller during the NCAA tournament? Everywhere he goes. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just like. crazy. Yeah, you know, you know, do you feel like it, this is a legit championship if you got a guy that you paid money? hundred? Well, I, you know, we've done our own. How do you even address that if you're Sean Miller? Well, well, there's our, well, I don't know about Sean Miller, but I know with, well, I'll tell you, probably Sean Miller will fall in line with this. But Utah has already come out. Chris Hill, their AD, has come out and already uh, addressed some of these with Kuzman. And that they've basically said is, oh, it's all in these agents. You know, we can't, we can't, we have no control of the agents communicating with the player. Now I know with, you know, the, the whole situation with Arizona, it's, you know, they got actual evidence. So it's hard to run that kind of, uh, you know, operation or at least make that claim. But still, that would be my gut feeling for these teams that they're going to, our teams, organizations, programs. The athletic programs are going to come out and they're going to just blame everything on the agents, you know, and then the agents going to be like, hey, man, we're, we're with you guys. What's going on? It is going to be a back and forth. And that's what to me, it's going to be more obstruction, which to be that would be my play if I'm the NCAA right now. And these athletic programs is obstruct this not in a, in a way to where you're now obstructing justice, per se, but more you're elongating the process, because to me, it is. It's a huge loss. If these guys can't have a legitimate or do not have a legitimate March Madness tournament 
Oh boy. I mean, everybody's going to lose from the sponsorships to the teams. I mean, the whole system will break out. It would be like a bubble popping when it did in the economy back in the 2007, 2008 time. It'll happen to college basketball. So, I mean, to me, if I'm I'm the NCAA, these athletic programs, yeah, I'm getting in a meeting and we're we're going to figure out how to get through the tournament so everybody can get paid, and then worry about how to handle it afterwards. All right, well, we'll continue to update you all day long on this here on the Fox Sports Radio Network. We're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Some people are saying that racism is alive and well in the NFL. We'll explain what's going on coming up next. Harmon and Papinga, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. So we get ready for the combine this week. Are you excited, Brady, to see all the uh, college stars out there? Bring back memories, yeah, I mean, man. I mean, it, that's the biggest thing is it brings back memories for me because, I, I unbelievably enough, I believe – you know, the, the combine helped me move up the draft boards of a number of different teams. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I, you know, when you've been through already almost a decade of playing in the NFL and you see guys come and go who have been drafted so high, you also look at it like it all comes down to the, the it all comes down to the game film and then how that's going to, you know, eventually translate. And what they mean by translate is the guy who comes in and learns the master the skills and techniques the techniques that make you successful in the NFL, the guys are going to make it. And you can't predict that because a lot of times it comes down to, you know, commitment. It comes down to timing, you know, just getting the right guy with the right system. And so uh, it's fun. It's fun to be able to see if you can't find somebody, you know what I'm saying? That, you know, maybe weren't talking about here in the combine because they jump off the charts with some measurable, but at the end of the day, the Hayes pretty much in the barn with a lot of these guys, and their success, too, will be determined instead of here at the Combine where they eventually end up uh, based off where they get drafted. All right, let's get back to the subject at hand, racism again uh, in the National Football League. Let me give you an example. Yeah. All right, so okay. Josh Allen, the controversial Wyoming quarterback, controversial because yeah. he seems to have all the physical tools. The problem is it didn't translate to the college game, and then you're trying to say, well, how does it project to the yeah. NFL game? So this guy had a completion percentage in the mid-50s, and all these draft experts are saying, well, stats don't really count when it comes to Josh Allen because of all his physical attributes. But then in the same breath – a guy like Mel Kuyper and others, Bill Polian, are critical of Lamar Jackson's completion percentage, even though his completion percentage was actually higher than Josh Allen's. And because of that, they're saying that he may not be suited for quarterback in the NFL. Maybe he should think about switching to wide receiver. All right, so let me get this straight. So Josh Allen, it's okay that his completion percentage sucked because he's a big white quarterback as opposed to a Lamar Jackson because he's a black quarterback who's a great athlete and he can do a lot of different things that he would have a better chance of making in the NFL as a wide receiver. I don't know how you can paint this any other way than the same thing we've been talking about for years where the black quarterback who's deemed the athlete maybe is better suited at a different position in the NFL than quarterback because everything I saw from Lamar Jackson at Louisville indicated to me that he has the game to play quarterback at any level if if he is allowed to play his game in the NFL. My thoughts, your thoughts. No, no, yeah, no question about that because it's not like we're talking about a player that struggles throwing the ball. I mean, this guy can throw the ball as accurately. I'm talking about Lamar Jackson as accurately 
and that doesn't have to do with completion percentage, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. You could throw the ball accurately, and your receivers drop the ball, or you know, there's a lot of other elements that go in, go into that. But he throws it accurately on the run, and he can throw it far. I mean, this guy has a very strong and talented arm, mixed with his, like you'd mentioned, athleticism. To me, that's the ideal mixture or combination that you're looking for in the future quarterback. We saw what already a guy like Nick Foles, who has some athleticism. You know, he's he's athletic enough to move in the pocket, but he's not an athlete in this open space where he's going to burn you. We actually saw a play in the Super Bowl where he could have ran it for an easy first down and said, tried to throw it and end up not completing the pass. But point being is that imagine a guy like Lamar Jackson in that kind of scheme to where now he can run. I mean, that just, I mean, it, it. I played against guys like that. Mike Vick being the, the guy that was most unbelievably the biggest challenge, played against him a couple of times, once when he was in Atlanta and another time when he relieved uh, a hurt guy, I forgot his name, Cobb, Cobb, Kevin Cobb uh, in 2010. And uh, I mean, it's a nightmare for a defense. So to me, it is. I mean, Bill Polian, he is an old school guy and I don't know what he's looking at. Honestly, I don't know if he's just getting old. I don't know if uh, he's lost his mind. I don't know if, you know, he's just going based off of, you know, old school evaluation tactics, but that one, cause he's the one that first said it, that he looks at Lamar Jackson more as a wide receiver. That one makes no sense. Why, why does he look like a wide receiver to me or to you? That's the question. And the only question that you can think of is because he doesn't fit the mold of the guys. Cause what's interesting. And I'll just go on a little tangent here. I don't know if you, did you see the bill and bill thing with Absolutely. Uh, bill, bill, bill the whole okay. thing? Oh yeah. Yes. We talked about that. Okay. At the very end, one of the things that Bill Parcells did say about Bill Belichick is that, you know, Bill Belichick has a nice reservoir of players that he has worked with that now are his prototypes that he can now go out and try to find guys like them. You know, like Bavaro he had with the Giants, not that it was directly because Bavaro was offensive and, you know, Belichick was a defensive coordinator. But he's like, you know, I like to find a tight end like Bavaro. So he ends up getting Gronkowski, you know, and then he worked with Wayne Corbett. Okay, we got those same kind of guys with Julian Edelman and. You know, you had Wes Welker there. And then you also look at, you know, Curtis Martin. Okay, let's get us a back and so on and so forth. You sort you see a lot of the similarities of players that they they look at. They're like, okay, I played a guy or I, I coached a guy that looks a lot like you, so I'm gonna go with you. And that's the only thing I can think of with Bill Polian is his reservoir of quarterbacks are all white guys. And if I look at if you look at and they're all kind of white, tall, stiffer guys like Peyton Manning, basically, you know, or Jim yeah. Kelly. I can't really think of a guy uh, of Bill Polian's history who is an athletic black, you could say, or white. It doesn't matter what color they are, but an athletic quarterback. And so it's almost like in his mind, he can't process a quarterback that's extremely athletic without wanting to project him as a wide receiver, which that, I mean, it's not like racism in the sense that we, we talk about racism being something that's driven by hate. It's more racism that's being driven by what you're used to seeing and it absolutely, no question, I dealt with it in reverse sense, is a prevalent thing in the NFL, you know, being a white linebacker. You know, a lot of guys, I don't know if, if there's a minority, but I believe the, the, the linebacker position in the NFL or rushing position in the NFL, a white guy is a minority. And so it was always funny to me, I'd go out and I'd run a 4 5 and I never was considered fast. If you looked at most reports, you know, the Packers did, but most reports would be like, oh, he tries hard. He has a high motor. They would never call him a fast player. I was like, what's the deal? And it's because my skin color, the same thing with athletic ability. I mean, I'm as good as I, you, I, I was all state in basketball, all state in track, all state in football. And there's a number of guys like this too, just not myself, but nobody would want to go and evaluate me as being athletic, which again goes to that same thing as they're just not used to calling white guys or a certain kind of guy 
athletic versus others. And so there's no question when you're evaluating guys, there are racial undertones. And again, it's not from a place of hate. It's more from a place of what they're used to or not used to seeing. Well, and and let's go back just two years ago. We were sitting in. We just talked to Alex Marvez. Going into the draft, the only three quarterbacks that were considered first-round talents were Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, and Paxton Lynch. You know who was never in the conversation? Dak Prescott. Was Dak? Yeah, he yeah, was never. He was. No one. Everyone said no. He's he's not near that level. You know, there but was I don't a, there was that a, was race driven though. Well, I, don't, I believe it that wasn't. was more. Here's an his, interesting. There was a no, study actually no. done that black quarterbacks are drafted lower yeah. on average than their white counterparts, but actually perform better in the league. And they discovered that draft scouting reports disproportionately mention white quarterbacks' intelligence and leadership while harping on black quarterbacks' <laughs> physical skills and mental deficiencies. I mean, I'll give you an example. Let's go back to Deshaun Watson. They made such a big yeah, deal about Watson true. and all the interceptions he threw at Clemson, despite so the fact that he was the premier quarterback in the country and Stuck. proved it on the yeah. biggest stage against the number one competition, Alabama. But the one knock on him was, uh, well, he threw a lot of interceptions. Well, actually, there were other quarterbacks who were throwing interceptions, but somehow exactly. Sean Watson's <laughs> interceptions were far more offensive <laughs> coming out of Clemson, and so he was downgraded. I mean... You, you can say maybe it's not a conscious effort, but maybe it's a subconscious effort, you know? And, you know, the other oh, thing yeah, is yeah, that we always seem to always seem to compare players. To do, yeah. Whenever you compare a black quarterback to a quarterback, it's always black to black. It's always white to white. Same thing with you. Like, You're you, exactly right. I mean, they never exactly compare right. you. They always compare players not based on their skills. They're white guys. Yeah, white guys compared They're to white color. guys, black guys compared to black guys. And I, I and don't know. I don't know how to term it. Yeah. It's, it's not being a racist, but it is racist if in terms you're, if you're exactly. evaluating people based solely on their race. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's not it's not coming from a place of hate because right. you're trying to discriminate or anything. Right. It's just from what you're used to. But you're exactly right. Like, you know, when Mike Vick was coming out, everybody wanted to compare him to Randy Moss or excuse me, Randy Moss, uh, Randall right. Cunningham. Randall Cunningham. You know, they're like, oh, it's Randall, Randall Cunningham guy. You know, blah blah blah. And it's like actually, it's not. You know, Randall Cunningham was tall. He was lanky, right. still athletic, but it's like actually the guy he most resembled left-handed think about it steve, steve young. young absolutely and it, yeah and it took people like forever to finally like make the connection but it's like yeah and you you talk to mike vick too and he's like yeah steve young was my idol and i you know based my game off of his it's like well you know and so it, it you're absolutely correct you know and it's something that i i personally dealt with that's why it's a little bit of a hot topic for me because i always like when i was in those interviews it was it was funny because I, I when you're getting interviewed by teams they would always question my speed you know, and they're like, well, how fast you can run your 40? And I'm like, I'm going to run it in, I'm going to run it fast. And they're like, well, give us a number. I was like, it's going to be fast. I don't want to limit myself, but it's going to be fast. And then they're like, well, can you run faster than a 4.7? I'm like, yeah. Uh, and then they're like, well, if you don't, you can't play in this league. And I'm like, well, flip, I can name off 10 guys off my head right now who never ran a 4.7 or under who played linebacker. Pretty good. Zach Thomas, yeah. you know, being one of them and many other, I could, you know, just keep ripping him down. He Mike Singletary. I guarantee you that guy didn't run a freaking 4.7. Yeah, and they're anyway, making tackles all over know, the field. Yeah. All right. We're <laughs> exactly, in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. The point studios. is it exists. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Uh, we're going to get to an NBA story that makes – no sense. I mean, absolutely no sense. But right now, let's bring Gascon back on. I got a pretty good NBA story. Let's hear it. What do you got for it? Go for it. Where Go. are the Lakers trading Lonzo Ball to? No, they're not training Lonzo <laughs> Ball. But we'll get to we'll get to Lonzo Ball a little bit later on. So oh. I'm sort of saving that for a, oh. a special moment. What's up, here. David? You you're not a Lonzo Ball fan, or you just sort of see that in your tea leaves? Though? I it just uh, didn't you see him star last night? I mean. You know. <laughs> 
Yeah, he played pretty good last night. <laughs> and he says he wants to play side-by-side with Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, one can shoot and one can pass. Right. Neither can play defense, gentlemen. No. Anyways, in college <laughs> basketball, 19th-ranked Tennessee and Old Miss. Bounce pass out front, Schofield. A three is good from the top of the circle. Money. He's had a big first half with 14 points. Ole Miss has closed the gap, though. They were down 15 at the half, now down by 7, 48 to 41. 13th ranked Wichita State and SMU. They just got underway. It's tied at 21 apiece. Later on today, it'll be Villanova and Creighton. Actually, in about five minutes from now, that ball game will be on Big Boy Fox. Earlier on today, number 17, Michigan took apart Maryland 85 to 61. Other games around college basketball. Vatek is leading Louisville 51 to 48. And you have, well, we have Wichita State recovered. UMass is obviously playing right now along with everybody else. Right now they're tied with UMass Loyal, 83-83. Gentlemen, one note in the NFL, and it was payday for one New England Patriot. Brandon Bolden gets a one-year contract with the team worth a whopping $880,000. Wow. Big money, except for a guy like Brady Papinga. I mean, come on. <laughs> That's no, chump change. Money. Chump change out there. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. All right. Uh, thank right. you so much, David. By the way, great news. Quick way for you to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. By the way, one quick programming note. Uh, if you out yeah. there ever watch the uh, NFL Network, which you all do, and, of course, they have the uh, features on the players, you know, NFL Life. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I love those. Yeah. So my favorite, of course, is the Kevin Green one because you get to see Brady <laughs> Papinga not once but twice. You get to see the back Brady Papinga as Kevin Green is coaching the Packers on the sidelines. Full shot of you. There's like there's like you know there there you see Kevin Green and in the background you see yeah, the yeah. back it says Papinga. But my favorite is during the Super Bowl itself. Now Brady was was out for the Super Bowl with injury, but they're yeah. showing. The sidelines, you know, and there's the animated Kevin Green, yeah, and yeah. you are out yelling him. You like you're next to him, side by side, like a de facto coach on the sidelines. I'm seeing Papiga <laughs> in full blown, and I'm watching him. I'm saying, "Why are you not a coach? Look at you! You're commanding the huddle. You're overshadowing Kevin Green. Players are looking at you." I'm like, "Talk about you're a guy funny, that has man. command." Well, you saw it, right? Oh yeah, I could coach. Yeah, I could coach. You but saw, what I do you, is you is saw I the coach. Kevin Green piece, right? You saw yourself. Uh, uh, well, no, I lived it, so I was there. Well, no, 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 no but no, I haven't but seen you, it. But what, seen it but you have not it, no. seen it. Oh, <laughs> not. come on! So somebody's now. gonna have to. All right, so you have just to tweet record it to me. It. Just give me a clip. You have. Yeah, there are have two to, times, but the, my favorite is during the Super Bowl game. So you know, there's a great game going on there, <laughs> yeah. and there's Kevin Green yeah. on the sideline talking to the linebackers and everything else, and there you are side by side with him, you know, and you are like getting yeah. into it, man. You remember that? You lived oh, yeah. it, like oh, yeah. you said, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was there. I mean, look, I, coaching's great if I could just show up to the games right? <laughs> and yes. practices. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Right. But it's a, it's one of the roughest professions. So I, I coach vicariously through my younger brother. So, right. yes. you know, I always call him up and because I'll watch his guys. And I go, Bo, you got you to gotta, you gotta give him this little tool or this little technique or, you know, this little nugget or that. And it's, it's fun to see because I'll watch the – and he'll do it. He'll actually go out and do a lot of the stuff I tell him. Some stuff he'll just he'll be like, yeah, I got a better – better thing which he does but then he'll do it and to see his guys be successful i'm like wow how about that like for example kyle vanoy he plays currently with the new england patriots yeah i actually went and worked with uh kelly my younger brother at byu and he was the outside backers coach and i was there for one practice and i told kyle i go kyle you gotta work on one move buddy 
because you got everything else down. Work on this spin move. So I showed him this spin move, you know, a couple of techniques. He sure enough goes against Texas. And at that time, Texas, I think, was ranked 10th overall. And he was spinning like a top around Texas's big, slow left tackle. I mean, just right. disruption like crazy. And it was euphoric. I was like, wow, I, I get what it feels like to be a coach now. Uh, but it doesn't make me want to go actually be a coach is my point. Well, I mean, and, and the great thing about this Kevin Green thing, of course, it showed him with Clay Matthews with the Packers, teaching him all the different moves that he, you know, used so well on the way to a Hall of Fame career. And then he decided to step away from coaching because – he said he would come home and his son was playing the game. And he says, can you yeah, teach yeah. me what you're teaching Clay Matthews? And and he's like, I can't because I got to get to work. And he goes, what am I doing? My son, I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> teaching Clay Matthews True. and I don't have the time to tell my son to do the same thing. So that's when he decided to walk away. So anyway, that aside. I want And get, he came back and he's back now. And he Just is back. A little side note, he's with. Yeah, last year he started with the Jets again, and yeah. lo and behold, the defense plays better. I, I love Kevin Green. Kevin I, Green I love everything about him. Yep. Great energy, yep. tremendous player, Hall of Famer in every respect. All right, this NBA no story is unbelievable. So get this. So one of the things right. we agree, I think we all agree, to me there are too many teams already in the playoffs. When more than half the teams are in the playoffs as they are in the NBA. Yeah. So in the NFL, you have 32 teams and 12 make the playoffs. But in the NBA, you have 30 teams and 16 make the playoffs. And every round is four out of seven. That's It's two Jeez. full months, two plus months of playoff yeah. basketball. So the, what, my, what your one thought is we need to cut back. But the NBA says, no, we're going to add to it. Now, you ready for this? This is apparently to going to happen. It's got a hmm. lot of momentum. So the NBA... I guess what they're trying to do is they want to create more interest down the stretch, they said. And the idea of teams tanking, you know, we had the latest with the Mavericks and Mark Cuban was fined $600,000 and we're going to get into all the problems with the Mavericks a little bit later on. But (laughs) so anyway, here's what they have suggested. Now, follow me on this. So when the regular season ends, you have the seven, eight, nine, ten seats. 9-10. 9-10. How did mm-hmm. they get in the mix? Here's what they want to do. So they will have, before the playoffs begin, they're going to have three additional games. So you'll have mm. the seven seed hosting the eight seed in a one-game playoff, and the winner of that game gets the seven seed. But listen to this. Cool. Then okay. you have the nine seed and the ten seed, two teams that thought they were out of it, play in a one-game playoff on the home court of the nine seed, and the winner of that game will then play the loser of the 7-8 mm. game to determine the eight seed. Now, my biggest problem with this Whoa. is how many eight seeds or seven seeds get past the first round of the playoffs? How many times do we see the Not one many. seed? Not many. So basically, you got yeah. all these extra games for teams that 99 out of 100 times are going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Now, how is that enhancing I don't know about your that, playoffs? But I don't know about that. You remember the Miami Heat of last year? Miami Heat last year had the best record in the NBA, or at least maybe tied, since I think it was the All-Star break, or half of the season. And they didn't get into the playoffs. Right. So under that scenario, they would have got in as one of the hottest teams, and who's to say what they would have been able to do based off of what they were able to do in that last stretch. So I don't know if I fully agree with that. I mean, in the so you sense like that you just destining them to – I love it because it creates more access. What it does basically is it's going to reward those teams that peak late. 
which I think is an absolutely smart thing to do because that's the see, see everybody. We always get this talk like in, in, in football, you know, everybody in college football, oh, we can't have a playoff because it ruins the regular season. It's like, no, the regular season serves a single purpose. And that single purpose is, is when and where are you and how much are you as a team going to improve to then position yourself to make a run in the playoffs for a championship? Some teams, you know what, they hit up, they, they spike up, then they go down, and then they spike up again. Some teams spike up, then they fade at the end, and some teams slowly creep up, creep up, and the boom, they skyrocket up at the end and make a run. And either way, you need to have a system that every single one of those scenarios, except for the one who tails off at the end, unless they've you know already created such an advantage that they are automatically qualified to go in, toward they don't get rewarded. you got to create a reward, an incentivized system to where teams can still get in, even though they may have started off slow and just hit their peak later on in the season. And that's what this does, is it creates access for us. So I think it's great because those teams like the Miami Heat of last year, would still be able to continue on their run. And you just don't know what can happen. You know, you get them in the playoffs. They're, they got the rhythm going. They got the, the whole, like, you, it's just almost like what you got with baseball a couple of years ago. And I, I forget the two teams. I know one of them was the Royals. Remember the wild card playing Absolutely. Game? Both those teams ended up representing both teams out of the, in the, uh, in the, the, uh, World, the World Series. Series. Yeah, the Royals and Giants that yeah, year. So both I, won the wild card I, I, game. I like this idea. Well, I, I do. The you, only I, thing and I you were a six this, team, though, You were a six seed, obviously. We won the yes. Super Bowl. Uh, I don't, but one I, thing I, mean, I would add to this, though, Steve. Steve, yeah. hold on a second. Let me. Let me say one more thing I'd add, though, is there needs to be some other like when you talk about teams like Dallas saying, OK, we got to just lose so we get as many balls in our favor in that lotto pick so we can get the highest pick. There also needs to be instead of doing a lottery, why don't you do a tournament? I know somebody had mentioned this before, but do another tournament to see who and where you get where you pick. Make it single elimination, quick round robin. And I mean, that's the way you should. I mean, basketball is such a low impact sport. You know, it's not like football where you go out there and it's like you've been in this major car accident. And you need days to rest and recover. I mean, you can play as many basketball games. I mean, come on. When these well, guys I mean, they, uh, they finish their season, they go and play rec pickup ball. So I don't know why you just don't make all these playoff everything. Playoff for, you know, eight, eighth and seventh seed. Playoff for draft position. Heck, playoff for, you know, whatever you want. I think that's the way to do it. Well, I agree with you on the uh, plane every night. I always go back to that UConn team. Remember they won the Big East tournament having to play five consecutive nights. Not four, yeah. not three. Yeah. Five consecutive nights to win the conference tournament three. and then they end up winning the NCAA championship. So somehow they had enough Boom. gas left in the tank after playing yeah. five consecutive nights and still won the NCAA championship. I, all right. Well, you're almost selling me on that. You're almost selling me on that. I don't know. I just, to me, less is more when know, it comes to the, the playoffs. I mean, you, you, you wanna, I'm with you there. I'm with you there, but I, I would like there's to see gotta more. There's got to be a like, reward for. There's got to be a reason for a regular season. Otherwise, just eliminate it. Just get to is, the though. playoffs. No, no, there, no, no, no. There, that's my whole point. Though you missed it. Is that is that's the whole point of the regular season is to prepare you, position you for the playoffs, and any way you can tweak that to where you give access to those teams that are rolling. And like I said, the whole because the whole purpose of the, the 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 regular season is to improve your team enough to where you can contend for a championship in a playoff scenario, and so you get the late bloomers that, you know, maybe started off slow or, you know, got, maybe had guys injured that then came back or whatever, that right now the current system is, is those, those guys, they're out. You know, if you don't, you could be at a game and a half or whatever, like the Miami Heat were last year, and you're, you're going to have a chance to see what you could have done in a in a playoff setting. Now you would have that. But to me, it's I've always believed that it never hurts to decide everything on the court, course, or field. 
Like, All right. I, I, I'm sick of these committees. I'm sick right. of, you know, I'm, with, balls. I, I'm like, 100% there. I, I mean, we, what it's all about anyway, we, you know? We, we could do every yeah. show every week on college football and what's so wrong about it and write it at the same time. <laughs> all right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Sports, yeah. All right, Lonzo Ball. Uh, Gascon says it's time to trade him. Um, I have some insight, though. What is going to happen for the balance of this Lakers season and then how it's going to affect them in the offseason free agency. Coming up next, Hartman and Papinga on this Saturday, coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. So Lonzo Ball was back in action. He had missed 15 games. Looked a little rusty out there, but that's not really the story, Brady. Um, yeah. The, the question we is, uh, and the Lakers after last night, they have 24 games remaining. They're not going to be in the playoffs or anything like that, so – uh, and of course, after their trade of of Clarkson and uh, Nance, uh, you know they they're clearing space. I mean, everyone's anticipating what this off season is going to be like. Are they going to get Le- yeah. uh, LeBron James? Are they going to get Paul George? Are they going to get these mega stars to add to this roster? That's that's basically what Laker fans are waiting for. However, there are other factors right now because I've been talking to some of these Laker insiders about. Well, what exactly is your approach for the rest of this season? Let's start with Lonzo Ball. He is apparently not mm-hmm. going to be playing back-to-back nights. So last night well, he's the, got that MCL. So that makes right, sense. And, and really, there's yeah. no reason to push Lonzo Ball. But it was interesting because Lonzo got his first opportunity to play some basketball with Isaiah Thomas. Now, what do you do I with they that? Look good together too. I did I thought, too. I they they gelled pretty good, and there was some cohesiveness there. Although it was their first time, but I think that's see that's what I love about Lonzo is I almost think he could play like that with anybody because he's he's a natural facilitator. He, exactly, he naturally adjusts his game to anybody around him. He is a pass is first a guy, just asset. like Magic Johnson. Yeah. was. exactly, exactly. So, but if you're Isaiah Thomas, you got to make some noise here in these last 24 games because. You're hitting the unrestricted oh, free agent market. I mean, last year at this yeah. time, you're thinking that you're about to get a max deal. Max contract. Now yeah. you're looking at what is anybody going to offer Isaiah Thomas? And could – see, here's the thing about the Lakers and why this is so uncertain. It also involves Julius Randle, who's actually been playing some pretty good basketball for the Lakers right now. Oh, yeah. In order to do the final he had step – triple-double last night, by the way. Yeah. He is playing some good basketball. Here's the problem for yeah. the Lakers. In order to create enough cap space to give LeBron and Paul George max deals, max deals, they're going to have to say bye-bye to Julius Randle when the season's over. In other words, it's a team option on his contract, and they're going to have to cut him loose. Otherwise, there will not be enough cap space. But you don't know right now that you're going to get LeBron James. You don't know if you're going to get Paul George. And so a guy like Randle's in limbo because let's say you don't get LeBron. Let's say you get Paul George. Well, now you have room to re-sign Julius Randle to a new deal. Maybe you look at Isaiah Thomas if you get the right price. See, this is why right now for the Lakers, you are really in limbo. What if you strike out completely in this offseason? We were talking about how, you know, a Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, Jimmy Butler combination might be even a better mm-hmm. combination long term for the Lakers yeah. guys that are on the free agent market in two years. So this yeah. this is a I, very well, interesting time for this Laker organization. But you also have to remember too, this isn't we're not talking about a hard cap here. 
So they can pay the luxury tax if they want. Like yeah. the Golden State Warriors, they're paying for that championship caliber team. And it seems the Houston Rockets are doing the same kind of thing to where you got to just pay to get that super team. And so if I, cause I, the way I look at it, if I'm the Lakers is that I'm not letting Julius Randle walk no matter what. I'm not going to sit a mess or cause he's playing too good to me. He is a lot like Draymond Green. He fits that mold of a guy. He had a triple double last night. He's, he's, hey, his yeah. passing has improved tremendously. He's fitting right in with that motion kind of offense, which basically means there's not many set plays mm-hmm. uh, configurations. When you talk about that, you know, Luke Walton's offense, he basically took it from, you know, Steve Kerr, principles in there that you implement, but it's mostly just motion and you're just filling each other out. And, you know, and, and if you got big guys like a Julius Randle that can extend you out a little bit and pass, which basically that's been a Draymond's number one attribute for the Golden State Warriors, it opens up the floor tremendously because guess who's usually guarding that guy? The team's shot blocker, You're, you know, the opposing team shot blocker. So it opens up you know, the middle of the lane there. So point is, is that I'm not messing around with him. I'm going to keep him. I'll go over the luxury tax and pay. I don't care what to bring in a guy like LeBron, Paul George, knowing that that immediately is going to make us contenders, which that's all we're looking for. If you're the Lakers. Hashtag future Laker. There it is. Well, Nick gets excited. Anytime we're talking Dude. about that, although I'm, I'm surprised so he's wearing his ducks cap today instead of his Laker cap. What's that all about? Nick? It's Cause he's so faithful, man. I mean, Duck, we hey, were Ducks Lakers three straight weeks. Now you're back. The Ducks need it, right? What's oh. what's the Ducks playoff <laughs> situation right now? It's bad. That's why. <laughs> where are they right now? Are they on the bubble or where? They're are they? right on the bubble. Really? How are the Kings doing as far as playoff? They're position? below the Ducks. We're, they they're right on the bubble with them. Wow, that's not looking good. And yet the Vegas team, the expansion team's looking solid. Yeah, that's ridiculous. An they, expansion team is in, and the Ducks and Kings are not. That's interesting. All right, we're Boom. in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. There's a guy that's got a really big problem we're going to address. His name is Mark Cuban. Is his run in the NBA about to end? We'll tell you next. On another eventful Saturday, it is Hartman and Papinga coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. (laughs) Oh, my. All right. We have an interesting thing going on here in studio, but – Never mind that. Never mind that. We have lots to get to here <laughs> in our final hour of the show. Is this going to go on forever, What's going guys? on? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so this is not being heard on the air right now? Really? Interesting. <laughs> it's Only through is. the headphones. <laughs> okay. All right. So we'll get past it. Oh, All right. Man. I want to talk about <laughs> – yeah. The uh, Dallas Mavericks situation right now because the NBA is beginning their investigation of the Dallas Mavericks and in particular their former CEO who apparently in his 15 years with the organization, 15 years working for more. Actually, he was with the team. even He was there before Cuban even took over. But he worked for Mark Cuban for 15 years, and it wasn't some low-level employee. He is the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks during this period of time. And apparently this guy was involved in such over-the-top sexual harassment of female employees. Mm. Some of the, we can't even say some of the things this guy allegedly said over the years. But, you know, this is a terrible story, and obviously it's very embarrassing for the Mavericks organization. It's very embarrassing for the NBA. But if you're Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban's initial response was, well, I don't really have a lot to do with the day-to-day operations of the organization. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hold on a second here. Wow. So let, let's let's say I appeared on Shark Tank, all right? And I'm yeah. one of those guys making my pitch on Shark Tank, and I'm looking at, you know, each of the uh, 
sharks there. And I'm, I'm going to say yeah, this. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, I'm interested if any of you would like to pair up with me. One guy I will not pair up with is you, Cuban, because apparently you're not a hands-on guy. At least that's your admission with the Mavericks, that you really are a figurehead doing your own thing. Because if you literally are making the excuse that you had mm-hmm. nothing to do with the day-to-day operation, that you're totally unaware of 15 years of complaints about this guy to your human resources, then you're really not a guy I want to partner with in business. I I, I don't. Why he's would lying. I want a business? Yeah, he's lying. Of course he's lying. And if he is it's lying, lie. now what do you do if you're the NBA? If he knowingly <sighs> allowed this to go big, on Steve. for 15 big. years. You're the NBA. This is a me, you know, me too generation now. This doesn't fly yep. anymore. You you Uh-oh. gotta say, look, we already got we're at a one owner we didn't like, Donald Sterling. Guess what, Cuban? Yes. You're next. Out. I am you're I was fired. thinking the same thing because if because the bottom line is the bottom line. If this starts to affect the bottom line of the NBA, you better believe that every twenty nine other owners are gonna sit down with the commissioner and say, dude, no more. We got to find a legal path to get him out of here, or else we're going to be just bulging at the seams for, you know, we're going to be losing money left and right because we're going to get boycotted, which it's, I would imagine would be the next step. And that's why, you know, he's, he's trying to lie as best he can because Mark knows as good as anybody. He's as good as business, business person as anybody that if he took responsibility, like, yep, you know what? This is something that, uh, you know, just, I don't know, slipped through the cracks, whatever you want to say, because I'm sure he doesn't tolerate that. I can't imagine he tolerates it you know, at least knowingly, but it always comes down to the order or the leader. I mean, it doesn't matter what kind of culture you run, you know, whatever happens in that culture, it's on you. It's going to be your responsibility. And that's what's happening right now. And so I'm with you, man. I, I don't suspend. It doesn't going to, isn't going to do it. It, it. To me, this is almost going to come down to, unless he can convince, because this is what it comes down to there, Steve, there's two types of public courts. There's one that you go, that's run by our legal system. You have a judge, you have a jury or whatever, depending on the situation. That's one legal court where they can implement and enforce laws of the land, which, as we know, the NDA would not be able to use that court to push out, you know, a guy like Mark Cuban. That, that's impossible. But the other court that in sometimes is even stronger and more influential is the public court of opinion. And that's your fans, you know, and if you brought it before them and you basically said, because to me, if I'm basically the leverage in this particular kind of interaction is all on the side of every single other owner and the commissioner because that's what they can hang over Mark Cuban. If they, if they feel like that he's a detriment to the NBA at large, they could say, look, man, we are going to expose every little thing that had to do with sexual harassment. And we're going to paint the picture and spin it that you knew all about it and didn't do anything about it unless you decide to walk away and sell the team. And I'm telling you right now, this may be, and you, you teased it. I do believe unless there is some unbelievable revelation that we don't know about right now that could come in and save the day, that this is the beginning of the end of Mark Cuban in the NBA as an NBA owner. Well, and uh, I, I guess we can also eliminate Cuban as a presidential candidate. Remember, he was uh, hinting yeah, that after be Trump became president. Yeah. Now, I go back, there was <laughs> another... I know. They would I, eat I, that up. I, I, they of course they would eat that up. All right, there was other precedent, yeah. though. Let's go back to 2011. Do you remember this? There was a jury that awarded $11.6 million in damages to a former Knicks employee, she worked for the Knicks. She had sued James Dolan, Cablevision, and former Knicks coach Isaiah Thomas that she there was a hostile work environment and retaliation. And the case was settled. 
And Commissioner David Stern at the time decided not to impose any additional punishment on the Knicks or Thomas. So, you know, there's there there's a history that's a different here. age. Exactly the point. Ago. It's exactly. completely different right now. <laughs> Everything is different right now. So this is this so is they're, 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 everyone's talking about well, what would the proper punishment be? Do you take away draft picks from the Mavericks? Well, that doesn't really address the problem here. In other words, it doesn't address the problem. To me, it still comes down to Mark Cuban. Even if he didn't know what was going on, that is not an excuse. It is your exactly. team. It is your company. It, you know, I always well, go it's back like Rick to Patino. Remember, yeah, exactly. remember Rick Patino with yep. his whole recruiting fiasco. Where I mean, I'm sure he didn't know. I mean, I don't know if head coaches know. You know what happens in all recruiting situations? They don't because they're they're entrusting the the assistants and some of their hosts, which generally are players, and maybe in some cases there aren't, but. The, to do the right thing, I guess. And uh, it didn't happen. But still, Rick Pitino had to pay the price for that. And, I mean, that's just how organizations work. It all starts from the top down. I mean, I don't care if he knew about it or not. The fact that it existed shows that there was a failure in his system of being in touch with his organization. So there's no question that if, you know what, he, he's not going to be able to run away from this. This Whether he knew about it or not is not going to absolve him from what the ultimate consequences, consequences will be, which, Steve, I'm telling you, the only one that makes sense in today's day and age is they're going to force him to sell the team or he'll, he'll take the high road and be like, okay, you know what? I got a heck of an offer. I couldn't pass it up. I'm selling the team, which could also be another outcome of this. See a lot of the way the NBA runs and, and, and it's very similar to our government. In other words, where do you draw the line between state rights and federal government intervention? We're always at the crossroads. Like, you know, should the federal government be involved in everything less federal government? We know that, Democrats traditionally want to have a stronger federal government. Republicans are more about state rights. That's the tradition. Well, it's a very similar thing here with the NBA. In other words, do you want the you do you want the NBA? Now the NBA has apparently set up a hotline now. I mean, I don't see how this is going to work. So they have a hotline. I don't know if like <laughs> it's a hotline to uh, Commissioner Gordon's office in the Batman movies. But in other words, if you are having a situation. Instead of going to your own human resources, which apparently are not reliable, at least this they happened. weren't with the Dallas Mavericks, yeah. that you exactly. you could actually call the league Tons office. Of they're gonna have a they're gonna have a hotline available. Then this is gonna start next week, where if you're having a problem along these terms in your work environment on your team, you can call the NBA hotline. Now you can only imagine how this is all gonna play out. What if that first day they get fifty calls? You know, somebody looked at him now. Do you have all the people to investigate each one of these accusations? You know how this is going to work. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, I, that's I mean, the I biggest problem where... that you have with situations like this as opposed to <laughs> what's legit and what is less than legit. Let's put it that way. Yeah, well, the alarm just went off right when you said that. Yes. And that's because, Steve, <laughs> the reality is... <laughs> That's that. That's what this system. That's what the hotline would be set up for. Is that what are the most you know alarming between quotations? And I'm not saying it because the alarm's going off. Places, and that's where you can there therefore you know invest your manpower, invest your resources to do the investigation. But it, it's smart by the NBA to do that because you're right. I mean, you look at this over the last 15 years. There's been complaints to the Dallas Mavericks HR group yes. and department about you know sexual harassment and obviously they didn't do anything until finally somebody went outside of the organization and, and said something so i mean it makes sense for them to do that but you're right i mean if they're getting calls from every other team and there's 100 cases for them to have to investigate it's going to be a very a pretty difficult unless they hire an outside firm it's going to be pretty difficult for them to look into all of them but come on i mean the ones that you're hoping to get are the ones that are i mean completely 
ingrained and right. intertwined through the cultural fabric of organization, which would be big. It wouldn't be hard to do the investigation and realize, okay, there's an issue here that we have to address, which I'm sure would have been the case with the Dallas Mavericks understanding, you know, what was going on there under the uh, watchful eye of Mark Cuban without him seeing it. For right. Some reason. And, uh, and the thing about it is whatever does happen, uh, it's going to be under the scrutiny of the news media beyond the sports media, which is only going to make it a bigger story. All right. We're in the Geico Fox no sports radio studios. Now, rarely on this show, do we address a baseball subject? I know, I know that Brady wishes we did because he's what, a baseball what, first guy. But oh, I, I something love, is happening right now that we Ooh. will talk about baseball-wise coming up next. Hartman and Papinga. Great news. Quick way to save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. All right, well, we certainly don't normally – talk any baseball, especially during spring training. But as we sit here right now, history is being made, Brady Papinga. It mm. is the debut of Shohei Otani of the Angels, here we who go. came from Japan as the new Babe Ruth. And he is making his pitching mm. debut. It's in the first inning right now. The first battery face of the Milwaukee Brewers blasted one over the center field's head off the wall. He was at second base. Then he <laughs> struck out the next guy. Nice pitch. Then he walked the third guy. The fourth ball was, as someone said, looked like Charlie Sheen is the wild thing. And now he's bouncing pitches all over the place. And he just bounced a wild pitch that advanced the runners. Just threw the ball in the center. Now a run is going to score. That's not on him. That's on the catcher. And um, so the question is, what do you do with this with this uh, superhuman Shohei Otani, who in Japan not only is a dominant pitcher and the velocity is there, uh, and let me clarify yeah. one thing about velocity on pitches: it's never about velocity; it's about movement on the ball. Yeah, you know, no question. Mariano Rivera threw the exact same pitch every single time. He only had exactly, but it one poach different every time. Exactly, he threw the same pitch. <laughs> seemingly in the same spot every single time and he dominated. Why? Because of his very unique movement on the ball. That's how it works. You could throw a hundred well, miles. He couldn't even predict his, yeah, he couldn't even predict or control his movement. He no. just knew the, the vicinity it was going to go, but he didn't know if it was going to sink, break or slide. It was right. just a natural kind of movement of the ball because of how he threw the ball out of his arm. And exactly. so there's really no other than just changing the speed up a little bit. I mean, right. there's really nothing you can do except let it rip. That's all he, so, that's I mean, all he yeah, ever did. Now, Shoei Otani is one yeah. of those guys. You could If you throw 100 miles an hour, that's great. But if it's a straight yeah. pitch... These guys will catch up to it. The major league hitters, they'll yeah. ca they'll catch up to 100 miles an hour oh, yeah. if there's no movement. Now, I'm watching him right now. He's he's a big kid. He's got a lot of velocity on the ball. But from what I see right now, it seems like a very straight pitch. But the Angels also have to figure this out. Like, they've invested a lot of money in this guy. Pitching is his mainstay. This is a guy, you know, that they hope is going to be a dominant pitcher at the major league level. But all the hype about him is that he can be an everyday Hit player it. as well, that he could – did, yeah. So if you're the Angels right now, you've invested in the guy that you think is going to be first and foremost a dominant pitcher. Are you going to tinker with the mm. idea of DHing him at the very least, putting him in a position where he's going to be on the out in the field, outfield? What would you do with Otani? Yeah, I mean, right now when you're in spring training, you play with every possible option and uh, outcome available and see what kind of 
you know, makes sense according to your roster, according to, you know, how things are looking in your, your bullpen and how things are looking with your pitching group, how things look in the field, your bats, your, you know, ability to score, those kinds of things. You got to take that into consideration. But I, I mean, you don't all of a sudden just pigeonhole him because he's so good at doing both of those skills. But I'll say this, eventually you're going to have to settle in on one of them because nobody in the history of baseball has ever been a great pitcher to a level of, you know, a dominant one. And then the great hitter at the same time. Right. You know, I'm talking like. Because Babe Ruth did. T- I'm see, not talking like whatever. See, Babe Ruth. Yeah. yeah Babe, see, what the Babe Ruth people. This is the fallacy about Ruth. Ruth was a dominant pitcher. Great pitcher. And then yeah. he. But once he became an outfield, he didn't pitch anymore. I think he threw five games. You know, one of those. Every once in a while, they yeah. throw him out there. Sort yeah. of like that an was, exhibit. That was, but he I, wasn't doing both at the same that? time. This is a different era. Right. This is this is the most specialized era. I mean, that's why we hate the game. I mean, I shouldn't say hate. That's why the game is so tough to watch is because we're so flippant specialized. I mean, you have pitchers that their whole specialty is just to go after one certain batter. Right. And then once that batter's done, whether it's, you know, a lefty or righty, whatever it is, he's, okay, we're going to get another pitcher in. So, I mean, that, that wasn't the game back then. It wasn't specialization. Now it's more specialized than ever, which means you have to specialize unless you are just an unbelievably naturally gifted talent like a Bo Jackson. But instead of being, you know, you play football, baseball you're you're a pitcher and a and a, and a regular field player i mean that that would have to be the case with this gentleman but I, I mean that's not the case he's not that good at both and so eventually my point is is they're gonna have to decide what in fact is going to be his greatest contribution and value to the team and then they're gonna have to fully commit on that there's no way you're going to be able to be right in the middle and have him be a dominant player whether he's in the field hitting or a pitcher uh they're going to have to choose between one and have him specialize and perfect that skill. Now he has the foundational ability in either one of those respects to be dominant, but he's not going to be able to, you know, work on both at the same time and end up being dominant at them both. He's going to have to focus on one eventually. All right. He uh, got out of the first inning, one unearned run did strike out too. So the Otani area era is uh, underway uh, with the Angels. And by the way, there have been great hitting pitchers over the years. Madison Bumgarner, obviously, is one of those guys. He can hit the long ball. Sure. It's, it's not been uncommon. Don Drysdale, late great Don Drysdale, was a tremendous hitter for the Dodgers. They used him as a pinch hitter every once in a while. You know, why not? Sure. I mean, he had more power than most yeah. of their other players, so he could be used as a pinch hitter. But apparently the Angels' plans, at least as of now, are is they'll tinker with the idea of Otani DHing but never the day before or the day after he pitches. So, in other words, and, and by That's the way, fair. the Angels are talking about using a six-man rotation, not a five-man mm. rotation, a six-man rotation. You know, it was interesting, last year, Andy Green, the manager of the Padres, suggested, and maybe it was sort of tongue-in-cheek, but the way we're sort of <laughs> progressing with pitching now in Major League Baseball, he said – that they were going to tinker with the idea that we don't actually have any anyone that is a starting pitcher, middle relief, or a closer. They're all the same. That they could actually put a guy out <laughs> yeah, there, just, just a random yeah, guy, like to start the first game, and then when the team comes around to their second rotation, the ro- you know of, of the order of the batting order, yeah. you bring in a new pitcher, so that you would never see hmm. the same pitcher twice. For two different at-bats. And uh, honestly, it it sounds nuts, but when you think about it, isn't that sort of the direction we're going right now? I mean, how many really dominant pitchers are there in baseball? Not really. I mean, mean, there are a couple. Sure. Like Kershaw. Yep. Unless it's a World Series game, yeah. Well, I mean, he, he was dominant in the game seven. They just needed to nah, start. Him. That was garbage that time. The game to. they needed to win was game five. And he got lit up. He got oh, lit boy. up. 
Okay, he got lit up, but hey, yeah. that's going to happen. But he did get lit up in uh, Game 7. I mean, he was dominant. Now, that game was and, already no, I mean, over. Right. I mean, it was garbage. It was not It was. You over. were down four runs. No, it wasn't. No. <laughs> yeah. All what, I know is you had him. He pitched dominant in Game 1. You <laughs> bring him back. Full, you full rest, Game 5, 2-2 series. You gave him a 4-0 lead. He gave him a 7-4 lead, and he couldn't survive the fifth inning. That's not so a dominant what? So pitcher. So what? That was then. So what? That, You're paying well, him thirty million dollars day, a year on that day. On yeah. that day, you would the you give him that day again on Game Seven. You give him that day again on Game Seven. It it would have been different. I'm telling you right now. Really? It been way different. And you you know, I mean, you, how many games did they have to where there were like four swing run like runs or excuse me uh, leads like yeah. a four three or four for, for both of them that kept going back and forth. I mean, both those all teams I know is the day before Alex Wood threw a one hitter. The same lineup that Astros yeah. had in the same ballpark, left-handed pitcher, threw a one-hitter. And yet Kershaw yeah. the next day gets lit up. I'm sorry. I mean, I love Kershaw. It happens, man. He's had it's a Hall of Fame happen. career already, but uh, in the biggest game of his life, he failed. F. F. F is the final uh, score there. I don't know. I, I look at it differently. I look at it that game seven being the biggest game, and I, I mean, he, he was ready to go. And it was uh, yeah, evident by the way he played. But, by the but way, no, yeah, there's not – I agree with the, but I, back to what your point was about the, you know, putting a pitcher out there basically like every time the batting order right. resets. I think that's phenomenal because that's what I mean. When you're a batter, that's what you're ultimately trying to do is get settled in on what's the style of this pitcher. And if you're constantly having to settle in over and over again, it usually takes a little bit too to get settled in because of the, like we talked about the movement, the mannerisms of the the pitcher to get down exactly what kind of throws and pitches he's going to be bringing at you. I mean, to have to reset over and over and over four or five times throughout the game, that's tough, man. That's tough to put on the players. All right. Uh, one other baseball note I want to talk about is, and this is always a question in baseball, it's, a, it's different than the NBA or the NFL where when you're drafted as a rookie, you play immediately most of the time. I mean, there's, you know, but in baseball, yeah, you have the minor leagues. Guys. So when you have the, you, yeah. you know, because in the NBA and the, in the NFL, the colleges, that's their developmental leagues. But in baseball, you have your minor uh-huh. leagues. So there's always that question when you have a hot young prospect, when's the right time to bring him up? I want to bring up a guy, son of a former major league player, Fernando Tatis Jr. He's already being hailed as one of the <laughs> best young players in major league baseball uh, in the future. Plays in the Padres organization. Uh, he just turned 19 last month. Yesterday in his first spring training game, he hit a home run. Bomb to right field. The kid has Boom. tremendous nice. power. He's six foot three. This guy is going to be a star. They don't know if he's going to be a tall shortstop like A-Rod was when he first came in, obviously a Cal Ripken, or to play him at third base. But I always go back to a story that I remember well personally, and that was Robin Yount, the Hall of Famer from the Milwaukee Brewers. And I don't know why more teams sure. don't adopt this thought. So Robin Yount went to Taft High School out in the San Fernando Valley out here. Much hype coming mm-hmm. out of high school. He was drafted third overall, first round of the baseball draft by the Milwaukee Brewers, who are not obviously a very good team. He didn't even turn 18 until September. So he graduated high school in June. He was still 17 years old, doesn't turn 18 until September. So the Brewers draft him. They put him at low levels, minus A, you know, rookie ball, essentially, for that summer. And now it's spring training, and they thought, well, a lot of hype, first-round pick. We're going to invite him to spring training, but he's just turned 18, right? He's 18 years old. Uh-huh. So, but he's out there and he's he's playing pretty well. And the Brewers aren't very good. Okay. Del Crandall was the yeah. manager of the team and he's sitting there one game and, you know, he's playing shortstop. He's got a couple of hits and 
And honestly, he's better than any else we got. But there's this thing that he's 18, so we got to give him a couple years in the minors, right? So he's sitting sure. on the bench one day, and he's looking at his coaches, and he goes, let me ask you guys this. Is there any law that says we can't have an 18-year-old shortstop? And they're looking at each other, and they're saying, no. And so on, op- on opening day, opening day, 1974, after a half season of rookie ball, 18-year-old Robin Yount was the starting shortstop of the Milwaukee Brewers. And what was amazing was that was the year wow. I entered the same high school. So that from mm-hmm. April until June, until the end of the year, school year, Every day they would update Robin Young. This guy that was in our high school the year before is the starting shortstop of the Milwaukee Brewers. And, of course, what makes the story great is he would never play another minor league game. In fact, he would play 20 years and end up in the Hall of Fame. So whatever development he needed as a young player, and he essentially played two full major league seasons as a teenager. He didn't turn 20 until the end of his second year. Did not retard his development. And that's my always my point. To me, it's never too early to get a guy out there. If he's got talent, he's going to learn a lot more learning at the major league level of course, than playing yes. against lesser players at the minor league level. No question. And it's it goes back to what we were talking about with race being involved in the NFL yes. and evaluating and that kind of thing. Same thing with age because it all comes back to what you're comfortable with when you talk about you know a coach's decision or even like a general manager and when they're evaluating talent. They always revert back to what they've seen, what they've experienced, and it's very difficult for them to go outside of that because of the the risk of it not working out and it looking bad because they sort of went outside of what they felt was you know their their system or at least their comfort zone. And so age is the same exact thing. If you've never seen an 18-year-old guy mm. dominate, let's say, you know, in the majors, it's going to be difficult for you to if, – if there was this 18-year-old guy in your system that looked like could – be a guy that could make it, it'd be difficult for you to go against that because you'd never seen it before. You know, right. so it takes that kind of just thinking outside the box to go with it. But it goes back to the same thing. It goes back to, you know, what are you most comfortable with? And some some of these evaluators and coaches, when they make decisions, don't want to go outside their comfort zone. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. There is a huge breaking story in college basketball right now we're going to get to. David Gascon, I think you're going to bring it to us right now. Steve, we got a lot to talk to with college basketball on the scene. Let's go with the games that are on the court right now as we speak. Brunson finds Haskell. Pascal flying in for the two-handed jam. He went right by Hegner and Balak. No chance of stopping him. Yeah, Villanova leading right the half over Creighton. It's 40-38. to Other games that are in progress, and one that is in the books, Tennessee and Ole Miss. Bounce pass out front, Schofield. A three is good from the top of the circle. Money. He's had a big first half with 14 points. And Tennessee prevailed in that one. It was a barn burner in the first half and then got a little pushed out by Ole Miss. Tennessee wins at 73-65. to The big news in college basketball, it stems back from the last couple of days, Stephen Brady. And that goes with Sean Miller, the head coach of Arizona. Well, news out of ESPN, Jeff Goodman reporting today that Miller will not coach today against Oregon. So he is not going to be coaching today. That is the latest in breaking news, as we have recalled the FBI recordings with Miller talking about with the recruits, briberies, and whatnot. So that is the the headline news of the day, and uh, we'll be shocked if he coaches at all for Arizona the rest of the way. All right, well, David, thanks so much. We even have further news on that story coming live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance at Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So, yeah, Sean Miller will not coach their game against Oregon. But what's interesting now is 
NCAA president Mark Emmert said this, that the decision for Miller to coach or Aiton, the player that allegedly was going to, or, you know, again, they have phone conversations about a payment of $100,000, that that decision, according to the NCAA president, whether they play or not or coach or not, is up to the school. Here's what Emmert said. Mm. He goes, first and foremost, that's a decision the school has to make. He said no NCAA process has been initiated into Arizona. Asked whether the NCAA has been in touch with Arizona. Emmert, the president, said, we've been in touch with every school that has a student athlete involved. Really? He said, Emmert said he hopes the NCAA has a better understanding of the eligibility for current players affected by the FBI investigation by selection Sunday, which is March 11th. And then he wants to see changes implemented by the start of next season. All right. All right. Wow. What, what else do we have, David? Uh, well, Steve, one other note. Darren Rovell actually just tweeted this out, that Sean Miller's contract and how it is written actually will pay him more if he gets fired with cause than without cause. So if Miller is fired with cause, Arizona will owe him approximately $5 million more than if he was fired with no cause. So $10.3 million versus the $5.15 million without cause. You're fired. Who signed that contract? <laughs> <laughs> Arizona did, man. Wow. Good, hey, yeah, yeah. He's got a good For agent. a guy that's never even – credit there. By the way, that's a Sean Miller who's yet to take one Arizona team to the Final Four. He's never well, been to the yeah. Final Four, Sean Miller. potential. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, man. Okay. Hey, he was what? a talented young player. Do you ever see him as a kid? He could dribble basketballs like he was like this uh, – uh, Globetrotter type guy, you know? Sean Miller, when he was yeah, a little kid. Yeah, man. Um, all right, yeah. so so the NCA is saying right now, let me get this straight. The president of the NCA <laughs> is saying, you know, this is really isn't up to us. We haven't done it. No NCA process has been initiated in Arizona. We have wiretaps with Sean Miller trying to <laughs> oh negotiate God. a deal to buy a player, and this the is NCA is ignoring this. I'm what telling the you hell right is now, why going they're doing on here? Steve, what they're doing is they're protecting themselves because all of a sudden more of the same information is going to come out uh, against these big-time coaches we already talked about. I don't know who. Maybe it's Krzyzewski. It could very well be. And they don't want to paint themselves in a corner because if they immediately come out and basically say, yep, this is the evidence that now justifies us, you know, going after Arizona, sanctioning them, blah, 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 they're already then going to be setting the precedence for every single other coach that has some involvement in these same kind of scandals. So NCAA again, ladies and gentlemen, twisting, turning, manipulating the reality for, again, their own benefit instead of just owning up to it. I mean, come on, that investigation by the FBI is far better than any investigation the NCAA would have been able to do to figure out if that was going on or not. And so if you're the NCAA, I mean, if you were really wanting to find what's the truth, you're going to rely more on the FBI investigation than you would on your own. But they're not, again, because they're trying to do the old CYA, cover your beep in this situation, and it's because they know that it's it's a big bomb that's about ready to drop. And when it does drop, they're trying to mitigate the damage as much as possible so they don't want to paint themselves into a corner. That's all what right, this is all so, about. It's all about self-preservation. It's unbelievable. It's terrible. And, and, it, and again, we have USC, which Mezzi met to, saying that they've done their own internal investigation. He will continue to play. SC has a huge game against Utah. They're a bubble team trying to get into the NCAA tournament. Well, Kentucky with their Knox kid, he, they say he is he is good. He's Meanwhile, Aiden, yeah. uh, the kid that apparently got a hundred thousand uh, dollars, is playing. I haven't seen that. He's not going to be Wait, missing one, any games right one now. Guy, 
Oh, it's Miles Bridges. Oh no, excuse me. He's he's cleared to play too. Yeah, he's, he's cleared, cleared, cleared to play. I thought, to play he, too. I thought the yeah the only schools cleared. that yeah, have uh, clear, taken apparently. guys out of the board are those <laughs> that aren't in the threat to go to the NCAA tournament. So exactly. Again, so Emmert says they're he, not in the threat to lose money is what you mean. So Emmert says <laughs> again. He says he hopes. I wow. love I love the word hope. I love the hope. You're the president of the NCAA, and you're saying <laughs> I hope I hope the NCAA has a better <laughs> understanding. Listen how innocuous oh, this man. comment is. Emmer, this is the president of the NCAA. He hopes that the NCAA has a better understanding oh, of the eligibility for current players affected. Wait a second. Isn't the NCAA in charge of the eligibility? We have to we hope that we have a better oh, understanding of the eligibility by the time we have tournament oh, selection. Man. Because think about this. Steve. If you're if you're picking the NCAA tournament, right, and this has happened in the past, where let's say a team is a high C, but they lose. Their, their oh, top player, man. it affects their seating, right? So, in yes. other words, the schools are <laughs> Everything. in. But if you yank all these players off the board, then all of a sudden that school looks a lot different. Obviously, Arizona, if Aiton isn't around, they're not the same school. They're in the tournament, but <laughs> I mean. They're already not. I mean, they're already not. I mean, this whole controversy is, I mean, I, I'd imagine the Miller's not coaching, not, not because of the con- like this whole evidence that come out against him. I imagine because he doesn't want to eventually be this huge distraction to his team. I mean, he's going to get heckled like you wouldn't believe, whether it's by his own fans, the opposing fans, maybe the opposing coaches, maybe opposing players. I don't know. And so you might as well just remove yourself from the situation. And so, but the, the funny thing about the NCAA president coming out, that was all a, you know, when they, they got into a meeting, probably like, oh man, what are we going to say? What are we going to say so we don't all of a sudden, you know, paint ourselves in the corner? And that's the best thing they could come up with. Because basically what they're saying is, um, we don't really want to deal with this right now because we want to get through the tournament, make our money, and then we'll see what we do afterwards. Because right now, they look at this as this is a potential downer for not only the tournament, but as we know, the sponsorships involved, the money involved. And as we all know, it all goes back to the pockets of the NCAA. And so they're going to try to preserve that channel of money coming back to them as much as possible. That's why they're, they're giving us these laughable comments that make no sense and resolve nothing because, again, it's all about what they wanted to do, what they've always been wanting to do from the beginning. Deem the, the athlete as the student athlete so they can't get benefits, so you don't pay them, so that then you can exploit their likeness and, and, and their ability to play a sport or what have you so that you can make money off of them. That's all the NCAA has ever done, and they're still trying to do it right now. Selection Sunday is two weeks from tomorrow. Oh, think of just what's happened during the course of this show. Now multiply it by two more weeks. (laughs) Holy mackerel. This is going to be an NCAA tournament March Madness to remember or forget. Depends on the way you look at it. All right, we're in the Geico Fox Sports (laughs) Radio Studios. Somebody may win the national championship this year that you never thought in a million years would win it. That would be interesting. Well, it also, well, or somebody wins the national championship, and as soon as they're handed the trophy, they're stripped of the trophy. Just take take that back. back. We'll just take it back. back. Uh, immediately stripped <laughs> of the championship. True. That could be another dynamite. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll wrap up our portion of the day coming up next. Oh, the the stories, the stories. You know, everyone thinks February is such a bad sports month. This has been an unbelievable oh, no. February for sports oh, yeah. stories. All right, uh, want to thank the crew. Uh, Nick, uh, who's in a state of shock, and we'll tell you why in a second. Gascon <laughs> doing the updates. Thank you, David. Eric jumping in. Eric's hey, back hey. producing. I have a shuffle of all our producers around here, so it's good to see Eric back. All right, yeah, Shohei Otani. We were talking about Otani earlier. Uh, first inning, he gave up a uh, bomb double to dead center. There was a wild pitch. 
Uh, unearned run. He struck out a couple of guys. So he came back for his second inning. Leadoff hitter, the always dangerous Keon Broxton, smashed a home run off of Otani. He then Boom. got an out, and then Socha said, I've seen enough. Yanked him. Otani pitched <laughs> okay. one and a third innings, two hits, two runs, one earned, two strikeouts, one walk, 675 ERA. He threw 21 pitches, and Otani's day is over. So there's your debut of the future Babe Ruth, uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah, just training. 21 just training, pitches. Easy. The home run by Broxton was crushed. Um, and again, I get Bam. back to this idea of a straight fastball. It, again, it's not velocity, not with these hitters. There's got to be movement on the ball. And he throws what, at least to me, looks like a really straight pitch, as hard as he's throwing it. And again, at this level, that is not going to fly. So uh, I wouldn't say it was an auspicious debut by any means for Shohei Otani, but it is spring training, uh, and he gets yanked yeah, I mean, after on, 21 pitches. February still. I mean, we're still in winter here, man. It's a summer game. They're training right now. He's just you know trying to figure it out and get some throws in, you know, pepper around a little bit. But another thing you got to remember too, if you do have a, if you throw a ball that's somewhat straight, let's say, yeah. And you can throw it fast. And you actually, you don't even know you need to throw it fast. 80, 85 miles an hour. This, this is what I was taught when I was – because I could throw the ball 80, 85 miles an hour. I understand hour that. You was, could have uh, had a long – made hundreds of millions of well, dollars. Well, I had this – yeah, well, I had this guy who played in Major League Baseball. He was a chiropractor that lived in a town of mine. He kept telling me, he says, look, if you can throw the ball 80, 85 – then you'll have a career as a, you know, at least a chance as a major league baseball pitcher. Well, I didn't care. I wanted to go hit people. You know, I didn't want to go throw a ball. It didn't make any sense to me. But anyway, but he was right because all you need, if you can throw the ball 80, 85, and then have a really good changeup, but you make them Absolutely. look exactly the same. Yeah. The ball can still go straight as long as you. The whole point is, is you gotta just Change keep the speed. hitters guessing. Yes. Yeah, you gotta. You just, gotta keep them, just off gotta keep them off balance. Uh, every great exactly. pitcher will say it's, movement. Look exactly. at Greg Maddox. Greg exactly. Maddox was a master. He didn't throw ninety-five. <laughs> exactly. Greg Maddox no. could hit any spot, anytime, anywhere with any pitch. So as a batter, and he made you all had, his pitches look the same. You never yeah. knew what it was coming. Never knew, and that's you that's never what knew. that's what you pitching is always. That's why a lot exactly. of pitchers, you know, as they when you're young and you can throw the ball hard, you want to throw it by guys. But a lot of great pitchers, as they lose velocity, realize I'm such. If I knew now about pitching when I was younger, it could have been a wholly different game. You know, you learn the art of pitching like any job. The more you do it, you know, unlike this job, which you know. Some some of us never learn our lesson. Um, by the way, did you hear the uh, promo, <laughs> the true. national promo? You heard about this story about Major League Baseball with another idea. Again, all these ideas about how to change the game of baseball, uh, the length of the game, are coming from people that are not baseball fans. The most ridiculous thing I heard now well, that's was... What she sh- but, but, Steve, that's who you should be talking to because that's who they're trying to attract or those that aren't fans so that they'll become fans. All right, let me right throw now, something out here. All right. The status quo isn't working. All right, yeah, so the, here was the idea. So we had already heard about the idea that if it goes to extra innings, that whoever made the out in the previous inning would automatically start at second base. And they do this in international ba- baseball right now. So you, you start the 10th inning. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, okay, so in I'm other words, okay. you're up in the 10th inning, right? And before even a pitch is thrown in the 10th yeah. inning, you have a runner somebody's on second at, base. Somebody's a second. And okay. they say, who's okay. that runner? That runner's the guy whoever made the last out in the previous inning. All right. But now, they gotcha. have, now they've gone next level. So here's what they want to do. Oh. You get to the ninth inning. This is for ninth inning only, all right? And if you're mm-hmm. trailing in the ninth inning, 
So let's say you're down three to two, and it's the ninth inning, and you got the seven, eight, nine hitters coming up. Forget that. You can choose which hitters you want coming up in the ninth inning to start things off. You know, I got something better for you, Steve. What's that? This is what they should do. They should play two extra innings. Regular. Two extra innings. Okay. All right. And so if there's nobody, there's nobody that wins it there. Fine. You go to a home run derby. But I'm not done. I'm not done. <laughs> well, how the home run derby is is each team gets to pick on the other team. So you go to the other team and you get to pick whoever was active. You know, you can't go right. pick some pitcher that wasn't even dressed for the game. Right. But whoever was active for that game, you get to pick three guys. So the opposing team gets to pick three three guys from the other team and vice versa. And you have a home run derby between those. Well, who's pitching guys, for the home run derby? Who's pitching for the home run derby? Oh, it's just going to be. Yeah, that's. You get your own guy. I mean, somebody's got to throw the ball, oh. right? Okay, yeah, that would be that would have to be uh, yeah, you'd have to get your own batting coach out there. Well, I mean, it, that would be well, then, then next you, level see, then phenomenal. Okay, so then what would be smart play by every team to really? Can you imagine the premium on a guy that is a good batting practice pitcher, like the best? Because if you're talking well, they about are good, because you've worked with no, them, but you know I mean, what I mean, like well, you've think had about experience. This. Let's say you had how many yeah. how many games go beyond, let's say, eleven innings. All right, so you're maybe talking about a handful of games, but that could be the difference between making the playoffs or not making the playoffs. So I know, if, but you know how sweet that is. Well, my point oh, exactly, gosh, but my how, point is, I would, then I would, there would watch be a, a game would be just a out of curiosity to see if it got to. If that. I That'd have, cool. if, if I have a really oh, effective, <laughs> you know, pitching coach, you know, the guy that knows the group. Yeah, pitching coach. So suddenly, I'm like, I'll pay big money for that. On that, well, that's a yeah. Why it, all these gimmicks? Can't we just play position. the game the way it's normally been played? Why do well, why do all these sports have gimmicks? Okay, it's. Because it's too boring to have it continue right, on. It's like why don't we soccer. Do, why don't you we can't do keep this? playing soccer. Right. You have soccer. Hockey was the same How thing. How about the, instead, the, the women okay, win the hockey win the, the shootout? They went in the shootout. That right. was sweet. Those think about this, Steve. That shootout at right. the very end of the women's hockey match against Canada. That's going to be an iconic. All right. Let me ask you this: or rerunning the NFL, highlight oh, in our sports history. Forget all this. The Go NFL. Ahead. The NFL. So they shortened uh-huh. overtime this year which obviously was yeah. really weird because it gave you more of an opportunity to end up in a tie. We don't want tie. any ties, yeah. right? So instead of no, overtime, yeah. why don't you have a field goal kicking contest? That'd be dumb. Why? The kicking it's isn't the a, same it, way. No, it's not. Of course you it is. You would rather do you like a one-on-one pass rush. shoot out. What? No, no, no. You, you have a Oklahoma field drill. goal kicking contest. Or goal line. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind doing a goal line drill. Well, then, Do a goal well, line well, drill. Well, well, put the ball at the one yard then line. Then Boom. You're, Boom. But no, no, no. Now you're putting your players in danger. You don't want to do that. No, you're not. Bring out the kickers. Field goal kicking contest. Boom. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.